This episode of Let's Talk Drones, the podcast is brought to you by Tidot and Embroidery online at tiaembroidery.com. They specialize in team uniforming, corporate apparel, logo application, embroidery, silk screening, you name it, Tidot and Embroidery can probably do it. Plus, check out their online web store where they can set up fundraiser portals for you, your team, your organization, no matter what means most to you, run your fundraiser through Tidot and Embroidery. Again, online at tiaembroidery.com. Also, check them out on Facebook. Facebook. Today, I'm joined by Jordan Handworker of Jordan Handworker Visuals, and we're going to be talking specifically about the Autel Evo leaks, as well as the leak of the new Mavic 3 Pro. So stick around for Let's Talk Drones, the podcast with Jordan Handworker. What's up? It's Chris, the Drone Geek, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Drones, the podcast. Today, we are joined once again by our friend, Jordan Handworker. Jordan, how's it going, man? It's been a while since you've been on the podcast. That's great, Chris. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, of course, man. It's, it's always great to have you. We were going to be joined today also by our buddy, Edgar Hurtado, who's also been on the podcast before. And unfortunately, he got a little busy with work, so he had to bail, but we'll get him next time. Uh, but it's, it's great to have you. And I know that we have a lot to talk about because last time we talked, there were just some speculations in the world of drones that we wanted to sort of hash out. But now we've got some real details and some like concrete proof that'll let us sit here and sort of hash out what we think is going to happen, what we could be seeing in the drone world in the future. And it's coming pretty quick. And what I mean by all that is the leaks that we've seen from Autel and DJI regarding the next generation of Evo drones, as well as two new drones from Autel, and then the next generation of the Mavic drone from DJI. But let's go ahead and jump into Autel. So, I mean, recently there was a leak of a picture, and I'm going to go ahead for those of you watching this on YouTube and pop the picture up now. It shows a few different drones that are in various colors, reds, oranges, or whites, yellows. Basically, a lot of colors on the color spectrum, but uh, this was leaked. These are some new drones from Autel. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is the Evo 3. Now, in terms of what the Evo delivers, it's very it's it's basically what Autel's answer to the Mavic was. And there are four different breakdowns of what the Evo 3 could bring, like four different versions of it. Have you heard anything about this, Jordan, or... Uh, so basically, I mean, I have seen some leaked photos from uh, Haya Castillo, basically Drone XL, um, on Twitter. Uh, I know that there is maybe a few other people that maybe also did, like I think Ken Heron, I think posted something about about that on his Instagram. Um, but I saw the leaked photos. I guess they're going to have like a three tier system, kind of like uh, how DJI is going to have like the Mavic system. So basically just kind of all the information that I've seen from Drone XL, I mean, looks like it's they're going to try to kind of be on uh, DJI's tail there. Yeah, and I don't know if you saw the, the, the spec, the package breakdowns for the Evo 3, but I've got a list of them right here. Uh, they ha- basically have four different types. You can get the Basic, the Pro, the Zoom, and then the Super Sense is their next one. Uh, the Evo 3 Basic is just a one inch CMOS sensor. So basically we're gonna see uh, same sensor size, pretty much the same drone that we had before with some different changes to the Evo uh, 2. The Evo 3 Pro has a micro four thirds inch CMOS sensor. 
that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty good because my Blackmagic Pocket Cinema 4K is also uh, four-thirds, micro four-thirds, which is pretty crazy when you think about it. It is. I mean, that's that's a that's a considerably sized sensor. Uh, and before, when I talked about uh, the Mavic 3 leaks that I did in early 2020 and even, uh, or I'm sorry, early 2021 and then like late 2020 when there were some leaks coming out about the Mavic 3 and some rumors, I talked about the possibility of having a micro four-thirds sensor. You and I had hashed that out a little bit. And it just like your stance was, and at this point, like after I talked to you, I was like, oh, okay, I could kind of see that, th that there's no way they're going to fit a four-third sensor on a drone the size of the Mavic. But now we look at Autel, who is reportedly going to have a four-third sensor on a drone that's slightly bigger than the Mavic 2 was. Um, it, it's, it's a big deal because then when you consider that DJI's drone that has a micro four-third sensor on it is the Inspire, you're all of a sudden taking a sensor that comes on a drone that's regarded as a cinematic tool in the D in the Inspire 2, and you're putting it on a drone that's roughly the same size as like a Mavic drone in the Autel Evo 3. I, I think it's a game changer. Yeah, uh, I mean, when you really think about as far as sensor sizes go, I mean, a one inch is pretty good, but when you start getting into like CMOS sensors like Micro Four Thirds and APS-C, it's like, I mean, that's, that's a huge, and especially for like low light and stuff, like, I mean, not necessarily that you need super, you know, super low light like a lot of people want for like Sony cameras and like, you know, regular like video cameras and stuff. But uh, I mean, you're looking at possible interchangeable lenses at that point, depending. I mean, there's no real telling, but I think if Autel is going to go that route, they definitely have some creative ability with that, um, especially with that micro four thirds, I mean, you're going to get a lot better dynamic range, possibly a lot better low light capabilities on a drone. So, I mean, from a camera standpoint, micro four thirds, I mean, my Blackmagic Pocket Cinema 4K is, I think, 13 stops of dynamic range, which is pretty solid, um, especially for the time that it came out at. So, yeah. And I, I think that uh, this is a, a real... We, we've discussed, you and I, both on Instagram as well as in other platforms, the the possibility of some of these drone companies consolidating these bigger drones, these more cumbersome drones that have been related to, uh, you know, professional use in the field, like mapping, rendering, stuff like that. And then cinematic drones that are a little bit larger to accommodate those bigger sensors, those bigger cameras uh, pieces. It, there's, it looks like this is a step from Autel in the direction of taking that tech that's associated with these these professional and enterprise sized drones and shrinking it down and making it adaptable to a drone that largely is regarded the same way as a Mavic in that the Autel Evo series can be folded up and pretty much taken wherever you need to take it. Um, I, I think it's sort of, this is gonna be a game changer because now you're gonna have the ability to capture, like you said, images, imagery with more dynamic range, better low light performance, and you're going to be able to do it on the go without much limitation, like where you can take that drone. It fits so nicely and once it folds up. So yeah. I, I see this as a big win for Autel if they can make it happen. Yeah, I mean, that's if they can make it happen. I mean, there's no telling. I mean, obviously, this is all just speculation at this point. But, I mean, if they can fit a micro four-thirds sensor into that or, I mean, you know, even if it's just one lens, I think you could probably still get a little bit better 
low light, a little bit better dynamic range out of it than you would get from a traditional one-inch sensor. Um, I mean, DJI really knocked it out of the park with the Phantom 4 Pro and the Mavic 2. And with that, I mean, they had some pretty solid, solid dynamic range on those as well. I mean, especially since those were Hasselblad sensors. Um, we'll just have to see what Autel can do with that. I mean, even if they make it into like an interchangeable lens system, which I think would be pretty unique. Um, no telling how that would work, but well, I guess we'll have to wait and see, you know? Yeah, absolutely. No, I don't. I, that's that's. In my opinion, on this lineup, the Pro, the Evo 3 Pro, is probably, just from the information I have, the the biggest blockbuster out of all four of them. But I do want to talk about the last two here. The Evo 3 Zoom is their third package. This has an 8K dual camera. This is all rumor. Uh, an 8K dual camera with a 10 times mechanical zoom function. So you're looking at, A, that 8K image is going to be huge to begin with. And then B, when you add that, you implement that 10 times zoom, you're going to be able to blow that up and get detail that is just incredible for how far away you are from it. I'm really interested to see, especially with some of the details that have come out about the Mavic 3 Pro, which we'll get to here in a, in a little bit, just how much companies are going to implement zoom features on their drone cameras. I think the Mavic 2 zoom did a really good job of sort of putting its foot in the door that way. I, I had the zoom for a brief period of time and I loved it. The only thing I didn't like was just that it didn't quite have the same uh, punch when it comes to the image as the Mavic 2 Pro. But otherwise, I mean, that mechanical zoom functionality that it had was fantastic in terms of quality and in terms of allowing me to do different things, dolly shots, dolly zooms, things of that nature. I, I'm really anxious to see how this goes with them, especially with an 8K camera on it. Yeah. Um... I would be pretty interested to see because I know in like, I don't really want to, you know, kind of ruin the whole DJI thing. Like I know DJI, the Mavic three specs. Um, I mean, from what we've seen is close to six K and then a seven time zoom. So, I mean, if Altel is going to drop eight K with a 10 time zoom, I mean, even just for, for the most part, I mean, 8K is going to be huge files, and if it's shot in any sort of log, I mean, those are going to bog down most any computers. This computer right here can barely handle 4K unless I, like, render it out a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, so I can't imagine that thing trying to handle, like, anything around 8K. Um, but the nice thing is, is, especially with the Evo 2, I mean, they have the 6K and the 8K sensors on that, and, I mean... Realistically, you could zoom in and still have a pretty crispy image. So, I mean, do you really need an extra 10 times zoom on that? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I I definitely can see the need for that in certain instances, like especially if you're doing like, you know, power line inspections or if you're doing anything that's sort of like uh, inspections from that that you can't really be up close to, um, like cell phone towers, power lines. But, I mean, you're also going to be able to get some pretty interesting shots um, to the point of where it's like you could almost be outside of a national park and still get some pretty awesome shots from outside of it without being in ferns of any FAA regulations. So that I mean, can also be a very good possibility that 
I mean, just the 8K sensor alone, you should still also be able to do some of that stuff. But to be able to zoom it in 10 times is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I've had this conversation with a lot of people about, you know, especially I have one friend, I won't name names, but I have one friend who's obsessed with camera resolution. You know, uh, 4K came out, he had that. And then all of a sudden, 5.2K started coming out on some of these action cameras and on these drones. And he was like, well, I've got to have that. That's the best resolution. And it's like, well, most people, especially on like a computer screen, aren't watching anything even in 4K at this point. I mean, yeah, you have devices that are capable of playing 4K and you have monitors that are becoming a little bit more uh, easily accessible for people to watch things in 4K. It's mostly limited to TVs. Uh, people that sit down and watch TV at night they're yeah. getting 4K flat screens. But overall, I mean, even like online platforms, you think about social media, you think about YouTube, Vimeo, they have the capability, well, not so much the social media, but YouTube and Vimeo have the capability to play 4K files, but most people are watching in like 1080p at right. max, 720p yeah. most of the time. So do you really need like an 8K camera? Uh, and well, that brings me back to basically what I was saying. I mean, so when you have resolution like that, I mean, the nice thing is, is you can zoom in without losing a lot of detail and all like, I mean, you'll get 4k cameras. I mean, you can zoom in a pretty decent amount and still have a pretty sharp image up to 10, like, you know, somewhere around like a, what a 1080 or 720 would be. But if you film that same thing in 1080p and then you try to zoom in, you're going to have a lot of lost detail. And so it's, it is nice to have that crispiness from that sensor like this computer behind me right here i can watch youtube in 4k i don't because number one it kind of bogs my system down a little bit um but it's just realistically i don't have the monitor for that number one so it's like why am i even gonna waste watching it in a 4k resolution when i really don't even notice the difference on and that's a 22 inch monitor and then for the most part, whenever I'm bored, I mean, I'm just kind of like hanging out, looking at stuff on my cell phone. So realistically, it's like, I mean, most anything that's either put on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube just comes up as 1080 anyways. So it's like there are certain instances in which, yes, having that extra resolution and sensor is nice, but it's only for certain projects, I guess. I mean, if you if you plan on zooming in and you know that you're going to need a shot, where you zoom in to that, you know, like if you're using an AK camera and you have to zoom in a substantial amount just without losing that detail, then yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely worth it. Yeah. And I, I think that's the only application at this point that I could think would, would make sense to get an AK camera because I'm, yeah. I'm on the same boat as you in terms of my machine that I use to edit my videos. I put a 4k video through, and it uh, like the next door neighbor can hear my computer trying to work through it. Like it's that, oh, it's that man. It, yeah. It gets bad. It, it really does. And then you, let alone once I get the project done in Adobe premiere, it takes it, you know, to mix down a, a three and a half, four minute video and with 4k footage, it takes my computer sometimes six hours to process it out and make rent. Oh, you know, export it. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's like, why would I want to, I, I was looking at getting the GoPro 10 for instance, <laughs> And oh I yeah, like, I really want this. And you know, there are a lot of reasons why I got the DJI FPV with the GoPro mount. So I was like, oh, how cool would that be to have the 10 on top of there? But no, after talking <laughs> with Katie about it, and I, you know, I sort of was like, oh, this is what I want to do. She was like, 
your computer can't even handle like 4k why are you trying to get a a, a camera that shoots in 5.2k at 60 yeah. when you can't you can't even handle 4k at 60 on your computer and i was like that's that's a great point yeah yeah that's the problem is uh you're always like you want to always it's the same thing it's like apple just released uh the 13 and all the other stuff it's like everybody has made a video about the iphone 13 uh and basically it's like really i mean there's no difference between the 12 and the 13 it's like why even upgrade yeah uh, just to have the newest thing i mean that's, that's keeping up with the joneses that's exactly what it is and they gopro is starting to lose steam i don't know that apple ever will because apple's got yeah. and even though they don't release like crazy new updates to some of their models i mean they put out a consistently good product whereas gopro since like the hero 6 has seen a, a somewhat of a decline in terms of the, the feedback that it gets for the the cameras it's putting out. I mean, I know that the the seven was all right, the eight was even okay, but I know the nine got terrible feedback, and the ten, from what I'm seeing, is also getting sort of mixed reviews compared to what they were expecting. Yeah, I mean, I've only had I only have the the Hero Seven Black back there. Um, I actually, when I first got it, I was like, man, I'm going to use this thing all the time, and then it's like. What do you like? You don't really, and you know what? The Pro is nice because if you don't want to carry around like a, a DSLR or a mirrorless camera, they're pretty convenient to do vlogs with. Mm -hmm. um, the in body recording for audio is not the greatest, but you can work with it. Um, but it's like really, like, I mean, unless you're doing FPV or like extreme sports, like they're really, and I like, I hate to say it, like, I know where GoPro is, is coming from, you know, because even DJI. And uh, Insta One, Rico, like they're all putting out, you know, their own like action cameras and stuff. And it's like there aren't enough people that do that and like make videos about it. I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it certainly could be its own niche in YouTube. I've thought about doing it, but I, I'm the drone geek. So, I, I, you know, unless it's attached to an FPV or another drone, uh, I just don't know if it would necessarily fit my bill. But I mean, you, Jordan Handworker Visuals on YouTube, you do a lot of cool tech product reviews you do a lot of cool vlogging with the the tech that you have so i mean that that could be an avenue for you yeah and like there are things that i want to do with the gopro it's just like it really is hard to kind of film by yourself and it's like i always like i have people you know friends that i've known for a while that i'm like hey you want to go like hang out and do stuff and it's just like never comes through so it's like it's really hard to try and find somebody to like help film mm. so yeah, that's and then the other side of it is especially for people that are just getting into vlogging, like getting used to filming yourself and talking to a camera in front of people out in the public. That's that's a little nerve wracking. <laughs> Sorry. God bless. <laughs> yeah. No, it, I mean, like I and I guess maybe that's why I vlog so much inside of my truck, I guess, because maybe I'm still kind of shy about like actually talking to a camera in front of people. Mm -hmm. um but i think even like if you have the gopro as a vlog camera like they're small so like you could even fit them in your pocket and like vlog inside of a store type of thing mm -hmm. like i mean if you had your camera out and you're talking to it like that or if you're front facing it it's like that's kind of awkward because like you can really tell that you're doing it but yeah <laughs> there we go so like <laughs> i mean this little guy is like i mean that's it's that big 
Yeah. And it's like, I mean, you could really just put that in your pocket and do whatever with it. And yeah. So it's like, yeah, I mean, you, you know, take a, a phone and a, a GoPro. It's like, which one would you rather just kind of like stick in your pocket? And I mean, at least this thing you can get wet, you can throw it around and you should be all right. And they're, pretty, have, they're pretty inexpensive. I have a friend who lives in West Palm Beach in that area. And she just recently decided she was going to start scuba diving and uh, kayaking and stuff. Uh, anyway, she had never used a GoPro before, but she went out and she bought the nine. And she, so far, like I've talked to her a million times because like I was waiting for that thing to have a meltdown like everybody else seems to have. But so far, like she's had it for a year now and she's had no major issues with it. No complaints, really. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the thing that she says she loves about it is you can put it in the sand and do like a, a hyperlapse or a time lapse of the the sun rising on the beach. Uh, she can take it underwater with her when she scuba dives. She can take it out on the kayak, and as long as it has the floaty on it, she'll mount it right to the side of the kayak, and you know, yeah. it's in. It's, it's going to be there. So, um, yeah. it, it's a cool product. Action cams definitely have their place in uh, vlogging and even in cinematography to a, to an extent. Um, it's just how how good is the tech, how reliable is the tech, and so far. GoPro's been the front runner, but you're right. I mean, there are people like DJI who's got the the Osmo Action. Uh, that's no joke. I mean, I've that camera. They've got one iteration of it, and it still competes with the latest uh, GoPro products. Which actually, I think that they're probably going to be releasing another one of those uh, at some point. Um, but yeah, and that's the thing is like, I mean, this is the Hero Seven. Uh, as far as I mean, image stabilization. I mean, the image stabilization is pretty good. I mean, I, you know, I don't need much more than that. Um, it's definitely a niche product, but like if I wanted to go like swimming or something with it and just kind of shoot some videos of like a river or out on the beach and like, you know, just throw it in my pocket and not really have to worry about it. It's waterproof. And then, I mean, you know, at what point do they get better? Cause the only thing I could think that would make a GoPro better is just being able to put in like manual settings because like i know you can shoot raw photos with it but as far as video goes i think it's basically just set as like an automatic thing and it just records it whatever um which is sometimes nice especially like iso wise because if it's too bright or too dark it'll just adjust it real mm -hmm. quick but um i mean if you want to get the most out of a product like a camera or a video camera um then yeah you probably want to be able to adjust settings with it and stuff i have the eight and they it, i mean it's a solid gopro i i was suffering when i was thinking about getting the 10 from a bout of consumerism uh admittedly admittedly i don't really need it uh yeah. the eight takes care of what i need but they do have in the i don't know about the seven but i do know in the eight they do have the ability to customize some camera settings like you can set the iso to a, a min and max range so you can't get like super particular but you can at least tell it okay i don't want it to exceed uh 800 iso you can also set it i think that they yeah in fact i know this now i'm thinking about it uh they did implement a, a sort of d log flat color profile so that you can it's more flexible in post um i don't know if the seven has those capabilities or not but i do know that the eight at least added some of those uh it's it's not perfect i wish there was a little more functionality with it but it does you know give me at least some flexibility when i'm out there and i want to set it to a certain atmosphere, certain lighting, whatever the case may be. 
Uh, I'm looking on here right now, and because I really haven't used this in a little bit, uh, I really there is nothing on here for any sort of like video controls. Like, I can shoot HVEC and H two H two six four, and that's pretty much about it. Um, so on seven, I'm gonna say that that is a negative. Uh, I can change 4K. Hyper smooth, 2.7K, 720p, which the nice thing is, is I can shoot 2.7K at 120 frames a second. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's honestly, I mean, if you're going to be posting anything on sort of like social media, I mean, that should be plenty enough. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking here. So in uh, the, the eight, you know, I've got my standard fields. I can change the resolution and the frame rate. Uh, the whether it's a super wide lens or a, a linear lens, hyper smooths on there. Uh, doesn't allow me to fix it right now, but it, you can choose there. It looks like there's low light settings as well as zoom settings in that field. But where yeah. you get into it is they have a pro tune field on the eight. Uh, I, in here, I can change the bit rate so that I can go from a very high bit rate to a very low bit rate. Uh, I can change my shutter speed, which is kind of cool. It's got my the uh, exposure value composition. Okay. Uh, white balance, ISO minimum, ISO maximum, sharpness, color profile. So yeah, I mean, it sounds like the eight, maybe they stepped it up with some new customizable settings. Um, but even still, like I said, with those settings, I, I just wish there was a little bit more, uh, <laughs> it's more functionality, more flexibility, not functionality. Flexibility would be nice. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even just, even at those settings are still pretty nice. I mean, just being able to change stuff like that, because not everything does um like you know even cell phone cameras like i mean they'll record video just you know by the tap of a button but i mean to get the most out of a camera you kind of want to be able to change some of those settings and so it's like yeah i mean it's like at what point does it just stop becoming just an action cam right and i i, I really wonder especially with the nine i know the nine was significantly bigger than the eight and the seven even uh, I don't know about the 10. I hear that's also bigger than the nine, but they keep scaling that up in size. And I mean, you can't have like a full size DSLR hanging off the front of a surfboard. If you're, you know, if you're a surfer and you want a GoPro, you can't have a camera that big hanging off the front of your surfboard, even if it is an action cam. But you have to wonder if they're going to keep scaling this thing up so that they can put more tech in. And if, you know, if they're going to do that, what's the limit? I mean, how big can they get? Can they get the size of like, uh, uh, one of those disposable cameras that were real popular in the nineties. Is that like a, a con- like convenient, it's about the size of a cell phone. So I, I guess mean, maybe. Well, yeah. And that's the thing too, is like, well, cell phones are kind of on that cusp now. Cause I mean, iPhones are water resistant up to like, I don't know, 15 or 30 feet or something like that. So it's like, I mean, do you, you know, unless you're going like deep sea diving, I could see having just like a GoPro, or maybe even like an actual DSLR inside of an expensive cage for diving. But I mean, it's almost to the point is where like cell phones, and I really hate to say, I mean, cell phones eventually will kind of catch up to action cameras mm-hmm. um, and probably like point and shoot digital cameras. Cause like at that point, it's like you pretty much already have everything on this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like when I made a video about like vlogging with any camera, it's like I kind of went through all of them, like cell phone, uh, a GoPro, uh, a DSLR, a mirrorless camera. And it's like, you know, uh, cell phones are pretty much always on you. So it's like you could basically just create a vlog on this thing and not even really have to worry about it. 
Well, I mean, and you're right about the cell phone tech. The my friends at Burt Marketing in uh, Oregon. Uh, I keep wanting to say they're from Washington. They're not. They're from Oregon, but they run a marketing company, uh, and they do like video projects. They do photo projects for their clients. And I'm not kidding. They use an iPhone attached to an Osmo Four yeah. for their gimbal, and they're putting out products. I, I mean, yeah, you can tell that it's shot on a camera that maybe has a smaller sensor. There's not quite as much uh, depth of field in the in their shots, but when they t when they put it through processing and they edit it in post production, their videos look super professional. Like if I owned a business, I do own a business, but if I owned a business and I needed video work done. I would yeah. hire them. You know, it, yeah. it, the cell phone tech is getting there. Yeah, and especially so. Like the the main thing with cell phone cameras is they just need a lot of light. Like if you wanted to do a vlog and you were outside during the day, you wouldn't have any issues. But like if I were going to shoot a video in here, like if I didn't have this light and I had like a cheaper light or something, like you could definitely tell. I mean, but. When you're shooting a video with a cell phone camera, it's like as long as you have a good amount of light, it's like, I mean, realistically, that looks pretty good. And this is an iPhone 8. Mm -hmm. So, like, I mean, if I was just, you know, going to take a video of it and send it to you, I mean, it does face tracking, so I don't have to worry about it ever not being in focus. <laughs> uh, I mean, the lighting, you know, obviously the light is right here. So it's like, I mean, basically if you have this set up on a tripod, it's like, it doesn't even really matter. Cause <laughs> like, yeah. it's almost better than that camera that I spent thousands of dollars on. And this was a couple of <laughs> hundred bucks that I got from boost mobile. <laughs> and that made, that almost makes you sick. I mean, I spent, I, yeah. I didn't spend it all at once, but I mean, through Verizon, I got the iPhone 12 for like 1200 bucks or something like that. Yeah. And then I think about the DSLR that I got and it's like, that was, you know, with all the equipment that I got with it, the accessories and stuff, that was nearly three grand. <laughs> I'm just yeah, thinking, oh exactly. And that's the problem. It's like I was looking at the 11s and the 12s and I went up to my local uh, cell phone store and I was just asking them because like the 12 Pro was the one that I wanted and that was like $899. So I had to put like $600 down and then like 30 something dollars extra a month. And I'm like, maybe. And it's like, but I was like this. I mean, this is an iPhone 8 that came out in 2015. 15 i think or 2016 and it's like it still does the job it mm -hmm. does everything that i needed to do phone call cell phone check the internet i don't need anything else and realistically like i i like apple's products to a point but it's like the 13 almost just seems kind of gimmicky with the cinematic mode and stuff and it's like battery life yeah i mean unless you're constantly on your phone all day or like if you actually use it on a you know regular basis but it's like Battery life will last me pretty much all day. I don't really have to do much else with that. Yeah. yeah. And I, I sort of, I don't want to sound like a, an old curmudgeon or anything like that, but I almost like, I almost blame apps like TikTok for pushing the, the tech development in that direction because now it, it's the truth. Anybody become, can become a video creator on TikTok. The, it, the format and the templates they have make it very, very easy to put together some cool projects. The, the problem with that is, nothing's original and i think that's my big like that's why i don't yeah. talk is because nothing's really original you're just basically ripping off what other people do uh yeah but that yeah. companies like apple are feel the pressure to add stupid shit like cinematic mode to their iphone 13 because they think that these digital video creators these kids that are making these tiktoks are going to buy into it and they will i mean inevitably they oh 100 percent 
percent. <laughs> and the thing of it is, is like, I mean, so I forget the dude's name, but he made a bunch of those videos where it was like it does the 360 around him and he's like shaking his butt and shit. I forget his name, but he loves those. Yeah, exactly. And see, it's like, well, you can't do that with this. And it's like, even if you put this on like a gimbal and like just had a friend like walk around you, it's just kind of not the same. And there, there's, it's not hard with the internet. I mean, it is hard to like get a full understanding of the way that video capture works and, and making it do and accomplish what you have in mind. Um, but if you have half a brain cell and you can use the internet, you can usually work your way up to understanding how frame rates work, how slow motion works in relation to frame rates and all of those things to get those effects that you're looking for. Like, it, cause I've seen that the videos and even though I think TikTok's ridiculous, the guy with the drone that does the, the 360 while he's shaking his butt is, I mean, I love him. Every time I see one, I watch it from beginning to end because it's just, it, it's creative. And I know for a fact, based upon the tech that he used to create that TikTok, that he did it on, like there was no template that he used on TikTok. That was yeah. him, 100%. Yeah, it was, uh, fuck man. I, it was like kind of when TikTok was still kind of, not as popular. I think I deleted the video. I, I deleted my TikTok forever ago. I had a TikTok for probably about a month or two, and I made some drone video for a TikTok. I was when I had the Spark, and uh, it didn't get really a whole lot of play. But I honestly, I, I think I was <laughs> I was one of the the pioneers for drone videos on TikTok at the time because I was in. 2019 i think I, I started started a tiktok in like november december of 2019 right up until yeah. 2020 i didn't start a tiktok until about four or five months ago i was like i was swearing it off i was like there's no way yeah. I want anything to do with tiktok and then you know everybody around me was like you should have a tiktok you should have a tiktok <laughs> like, yeah man. and that's that's the problem is then like everybody's like, oh, you don't have TikTok. And it's like, what? I don't use that for anything. What do I need it for? And it's like uh, Gary Vaynerchuk was very prominent when TikTok was like still kind of in its early stages. Like you got to have a TikTok, bro. You got to do this. And like you got to get yourself out there and, you know, sell your business. It's like I tried doing that because I watched this Gary Vaynerchuk video and it's like didn't help, especially for a photographer. And it's like I don't think people were on TikTok for that reason. <laughs> No, it's it's entertainment solely. And I, I, I talk with people that I do marketing for about this a lot. They say, how do I promote my business on TikTok? And the, the first thing <laughs> I tell them when they ask me that is, you don't. You don't yeah. promote your business on Unless you do something really fucking cool, you don't promote your business on TikTok. Yeah, or unless you're a girl. And like, I hate to say it. And <laughs> I mean, it really is, it's, it really is like a thirst trap app because... I think there are more people that are on that app to follow the like female content creators that are just doing stupid dances and stuff. I'm like, I hate, I hate to say it like that, but it's, uh, it's, it's funny. I'll scroll through TikTok and like, I'm a pretty committed guy. You know, I don't, I don't have any interest really looking outside of what I've got. And, uh, it, you know, first of all, the male instinct kicks in, you're scrolling through and you see a girl dancing that's attractive and you like, you do a double take and you go back and you're like, wow. But yeah. The thing that I've started to pick up on with TikTok thirst traps is like when you look at their face and especially like the girls that are not wearing much and they're dancing around and everything's shaking and jiggling. It, when you look at their face, you can see it. They know what they're doing. Like they, oh, yeah. they know what they're trying to get you to look at. 
Oh yeah, hundred percent. And and see, that's the problem is is I I missed the old Instagram where it was actually about producing content and not fucking reels because mm-hmm. that's basically what Instagram has now turned into. It's basically a knockoff TikTok, um, and eventually Twitter will probably get there at some point. I see Twitter going in that direction. I'm curious to see. What happens to Twitter? There's been a lot of controversy around Twitter in the past two years or so. Um, and their their platform as it stands right now is extremely dated, if you ask me. I mean, they really haven't changed much to speak of since mm-hmm. it started. Yeah, uh, and and see, like, you and I are both on Twitter. So, and like, I, I, you know, they were trying to do the fleets, which is kind of like an Instagram story type of thing. That didn't take off. So, and the thing with, Twitter is it's a lot different. It's it's a different community on Twitter mm-hmm. because everybody that's on Twitter that has a following is constantly tweeting. Mm-hmm. I've noticed, and it's like I honestly I use Twitter to just post like images that I take, and like I figured you would gain some sort of a following off that. But realistically, unless you're like Twitter is kind of like how Instagram used to be. Mm-hmm. So Instagram. The way that you would get followers is like you would go through somebody else's profile, you look at their you know images, you would comment on them, you would like them, follow them type of thing, and then it's like that's basically how Twitter is, and it's like I did that for so long on Instagram to get the following that I had. It's like I don't really have the desire to do that again on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and Twitter too. I mean, like you said, the the guys and the the people. I don't want to just say guys people that are successful on Twitter are the ones that are tweeting like every 10 minutes, you know, oh, yeah. if, not, if not more frequently. And I, I don't know about you. I just don't have the time or re- I just don't have the time to do that I, or care to do that. And I do the same thing as you. I share the content that I make. And right now it's, we live in a world on social media, unless you're making a stupid reel or TikTok, or you're given a hot take on Twitter or something controversial you're really not going to get much attention. I mean, you sort of have to just put yourself out in the spotlight and say or do something just so bizarre that people pay attention. And that's just never been who I am. I I tried doing it with the YouTube channel. I sort of reeled in how bizarre I do things because it's like, it's it's just not worth it. You know, you you shouldn't sell yourself out to be stupid and silly when that's not how you are all the time, you know? Oh no, uh, I agree a hundred percent, and that's like that's why I say like I kind of hate that Instagram is going that way. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean the people on like Twitter and Instagram, I mean they got their followings before things kind of changed and became what they are now. But um, I mean, especially in the drone sphere, like it's a little. And the thing with drones is like the community for drones is is nice because you have more people that are more interested in finding those images and cause like you can't really copy a drone image. Like, you know how you can copy like a creative, like photograph, let's say like, you know, you, you have somebody use a special light and like an RGB light and they do like something stupid in the background, let's say, and then they take a picture with like a regular camera. And so like, then everybody sees that like, wow, that's a really cool photo. I want to do that mm-hmm. with drones. Drones is a little different because like the communities are really like they're different in a sense as like 
you can't necessarily copy that, but you can kind of try to recreate something similar. Mm-hmm. And so, like when I go and I do drone photos, like you know, certain times of the days, certain locations, like you can't ever recreate that same image type of thing. Yeah, I, that's. I've I've talked to you about this too. I've had recently. And by recently, I mean over the past six to 12 months, uh, other drone accounts based in Lancaster pop up. And I I found that I didn't have any problems, even living in such close proximity and sharing the same territory. I I didn't have many problems with people copying me, but I think it's mostly because of exactly what you said is it's there's so many things that play into a drone photo because you're you're shooting a landscape for the most part, a landscape photo. And, you know, lighting comes into it. It's all natural light for the most part. Uh, you know, your, your camera settings are another part of it that are just so variable, it's hard to even know how to match those up. So I never really had a problem that way. What I did find is that all of us shot in such a different style. You know, I had one guy who has since, he hasn't posted in a while, um, who does a lot of stuff and it's sort of moody lighting, like it's a little bit gray, you know, maybe a little bit, cloudy is it the feeling that you get from it and then you've got another guy who shoots and it, it almost looks like we're on mars like he's got like a lot of like red haze in his pictures and stuff like that and then you've got me derping around over here and i'm just shooting everything as naturally as i can <laughs> you know with some yeah. like core enhancements and stuff that's pretty much all i'm throwing on mine and it's just interesting to see three people and that's just three out of i think like 12 or 13 people that shoot around here that do it just so differently yeah, I uh, I don't really know if I have many other like drone people that are around Hernando County. Like, I know I've seen I've seen other people post drone photos and stuff, and a lot of them are people that just do like real estate photography. Um, and I mean that's why I I mentioned earlier like a lot of the stuff that I I tend to shoot is out towards the the coast because. A lot of people want to see like the Wikiwachi River and they want to see like Pine Island and they want to see Bayport and they just think they, you know, they enjoy those drone shots of like boats and like sunsets over the water type of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, you'll see more of those. And those are for, for more people that like visit, like, I mean, I guess travelers, uh, tourists or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you, you know, you have those people that come out here and they shoot certain type of content. And so that content just kind of makes it across its way. But it's like, as far as, I'm like, I don't do it as much as I used to. But as far as, uh, like, a, a main drone account that shoots just, like, stuff around, you know, the place I live. And it's like, I, don't, I haven't really found any other ones like that around here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's. It, I think it largely depends upon your area. Um I know that, and also too, I mean, population size matters too. I've got Philly an hour and a half to my east. I've got Harrisburg, you know, 40 minutes to my northwest. Uh, You know, I've got a a few different larger cities for Pennsylvania within driving distance. So that just opens up this whole catalog of people that could potentially be flying drones. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, I tried to not get worked up over it because I was late to the drone game. I mean, I didn't really get serious about it until about four, three or four years into like when drone tech was sort of be starting to become popular. So I'm, I'm certainly a hypocrite to sit here and say like, these guys are rain, you know, coming in on my turf, but at the same time, you know, I can't help, but 
when I see a new drone account be a little bit threatened by it. And I'm like, hey, this is this is my shtick over here, <laughs> you know. That's why you got to go find Billy Kyle because I mean he's pretty close to you. Yeah, well, you know that's what I'm talking about. Is Billy Kyle's been doing it a lot longer than me. So for me to sit here and get upset about some guy down the street that's doing it, it's a little, it's a little bit hypocritical of me. But um, yeah, I honestly like I kind of wish I kind of wish that I had other people around here. Like, I mean, original Dobo. I mean, he lives out in Spring Hill, so I mean, he's you know, 15, 20 minutes. And, like I've sent him messages and stuff before. We're, supposed to go grab a beer at marker 48 one time that fell through and then it's like i haven't really heard anything and I was like, i'm not gonna hound him to be like hey man you're gonna go hang out right type of thing but it's like stalkerish <laughs> yeah and then it's like i was like you know i know he's got his own thing he's got his own business and his own youtube channel and it's like i just i want to have like have somebody to like hang out with and like go fly drones and like go do some cool shit with rather than just always doing it by myself type of thing yeah so but yeah it's it's like the drone community is a lot different mm -hmm. um, as composed as compared to or comparing it to like the people that just only shoot stuff on like their cell phones or just only shoot stuff on like a camera. So I just, I, I think that I definitely see what you're saying um, with having people around you because there are times that like, now I've sort of taught Katie a little bit about how to fly drones and she's usually with me when I'm flying anyway. So she knows how to be an effective visual observer. She knows how to fly to an extent. So she's sort of my, like, that is my drone buddy in a way. Uh, but it would be nice to have somebody that I didn't view as necessarily like competition that I could just go and fly with. And like, they understand all of the rules. They understand all the things that go into it because right. It is sort of a nice feeling. Uh, and I, I, Billy's never, Billy's liked a, a couple of my tweet responses. He's never really like reached out or vice versa. I, I, Cause I don't want to bother him. But the, the one guy, uh, Ken Heron, I, I do have uh, like some, I don't want to say a relationship. That is the, that's a huge stretch is to describe what, I've got his phone number that I met yeah. him at the DC. Uh, I mean, that's pretty cool though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's cool. It's, I met him at the DC remote ID rally back in early 2020. And uh, it, you know, it was one of those deals where I talked to him for a couple minutes, just told him like, he's the one that got me interested in drones and stuff like that. And uh, you know, we sort of hit it off, but I went to Nashville back in June and uh, you know, I hit him up and sort of the same thing that happened with you uh, in Dobo is you know, we had plans to meet up and actually fly together and uh, they just fell through. It just never happened. And it's, it's one of those deals where I was a little bummed, a little hurt by it at first, but then I thought, you know what, he's probably so busy right now. I I'm not even going to bother him about it, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing too. It's like, I mean, for us smaller creators, it's, it's more of like, we're just kind of doing this in hopes that we kind of get it to that point where like, you know, Billy Kyle, Ken Heron, original Dobo, like, Dustin Dunhill, Jake Sloan, like all those people, you know, 51 drones, like, Bardwell. yeah, ex exactly. <laughs> and it's like, you look at all those guys and like, they're doing this because like, they have to keep it going. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if you or I stopped just producing videos, like, I don't really think it would be like a huge loss. Nobody notice. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, your 800 and something followers would notice that like you haven't put something out in a while, but I don't think they would notice like if Peter McKinnon stopped making videos for months, mm. they'd be like, what happened to Pete? <laughs> like, well, what that's happened? The thing is that regularity, you know, like you said, the 800 people that follow me would notice, 
but the people that like, I can name a few channels that I'm not subscribed to, but I check in on regularly. And, you know, if they stop pushing video, putting videos out, I would notice, you know, yeah. definitely be someone to come to my attention. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And that's the thing too, is like, that's why I was saying like, though, like your whole sky high history and the way that you just produce videos is, is so unique that it's like, like there, there is not another channel out there unless like you're considering like documentary style channels. But I'm like the way that you produce the videos and stuff is like, I, you know, the, the YouTube space and the Instagram and Twitter space would not be the same. Cause like the way that you do sky high history is just like, it's so fascinating <laughs> to just listen to you talk about this town. I live in Florida. I've never been to Pennsylvania or Lancaster. It's like kind of makes me want to go there, you know? <laughs> I, I appreciate that, man. That means a lot because it, it it's a lot of work. And, uh, you know, I'll be honest. I, I could imagine. It's, it, it is. And I, I'll be honest, uh, you know, it's an idea that I, I didn't rip off from Ken. But when Ken first started, uh, I don't want to sound like one of those guys. But, like, I've been following Ken for a long time. Yeah. Uh, when Ken first started... He didn't do history lessons like I do. I sort of evolved it into that. But when he would do a, a how-to video or a comparison video, he'd then cut to wherever he was flying. If there was a, a, you know, a point of interest or a, a landmark of interest, he would fly around that and he'd drop maybe like two or three little history nuggets on you about it. Like I know he did the Kentucky State Prison one time and it's like abandoned and stuff. It's really cool. And he flew his Phantom around it and did some like just brief history facts for about 30 seconds of his video. And that's sort of what spurred on the idea for Sky High History is it's like, okay, I can take that 30 seconds that he's doing in his product review or his how-to video, and I can expand that out into a full-fledged like three to four minute history lesson on something through the eyes of a drone. So really, I mean, I credit Ken. I just took the idea that he sort of injected into his videos and turned it into its own thing. Yeah. And uh, like, I, like, I can kind of see that. I, I know what you're talking about because like, there's been a few times where I've watched some of Ken's older videos. Like he did one for like how to shoot real estate or something. This is when I first had the spark and I was like, man, I'm going to make money with a drone type of thing. And uh, like the way that he just voiced over the, the real estate video, it was like, it was so soothing. And I was like, man, I'm like, that's really good. And like, so I got, I know where you're coming from with that. Cause like, I think I remember some of his older stuff like that, where like he would just kind of like, and this is blah blah blah, and he would, like kind of talk about it for a couple minutes, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, it's just like I mean, the, but see, and that's the thing is like you didn't necessarily steal the idea because like I mean, you took that, you took his idea, but then like you put your own spin on it type of thing, and so like I mean that's kind of cool, you know? It's like not everybody thinks about doing stuff like that because like I, there are some people that are around Hernando County that do like they do like local businesses. So they'll just like, they'll come out to the business and they'll shoot like a video for it or whatever. And then they'll like, they'll just kind of like, I don't know. I, I'll have to send you a, a video or, or whatever, but some of them are okay. And the other ones are just like, I don't know why you're doing this type of thing. But yeah, I mean, I think you have a very unique, unique video style. So I, I, I really appreciate that. I mean, it's a lot coming from you. I mean, it, yeah. It, well, I mean, you know, <laughs> you're good at what you do. So to hear somebody that is I'm, as I'm, good at what you do it, say that about mine, that that means a lot, man. But yeah, before we get too mushy gushy and start like making out or something like that, all right. We, did, we, we were talking about Evos. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, <laughs> we, we so, sort of lost track of that. But let's uh, let's jump back on that. 
The last one, and this is pure speculation. I don't have any detail about this last model of Evo. It's called the SuperSense. It has a 1.4 inch CMOS sensor. The only thing I can think of in terms of what that could be, SuperSense makes me think that it's an answer to the SkyDO. Um, it's got a slightly bigger sensor than the SkyDO does. And I think that it could possibly be like improved obstacle avoidance and autonomous flight systems. That's that's a, a pure guess. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at it right here. So yeah, I mean, uh, 1.4 inch sensor. So I would think that as far as that goes, you're probably going to get a little bit better dynamic range out of that as, com as compared to like what just the regular Evo like one inch sensor would be. <laughs> Only time will tell. I mean, realistically at that point, you're just going to have to see I mean, is it worth it for the extra maybe two or three hundred bucks for the 1.4 inch sensor? Um, but yeah, I mean, there really isn't a whole lot of information on the Drone XL website. But uh, I mean, as far as that goes, even if it were something to compete with the Skydio, I would like to see that because I'm sure Skydio will see that and be like, well, I guess it's time to release the Skydio like two and a half or three. Yeah. Because I honestly, like, I had high hopes for Skydio and like, I know I've told you this before. Like, I really just kind of hate the way that the propeller, <laughs> the propellers <laughs> are, lo are located. Like, I get it, but I hate it. The the big thing I think two the the two things that really sort of shot Skydio in its own foot were first the cost prohibitiveness of buying a Skydio. Now, the cost of the drone they just recently increased the price to like thirteen hundred bucks or something like that, which but still it, isn't bad. Which yeah, it's not. I mean. For a drone, I'll pay for that. It's got more functionality than the FPV, and it's just slightly more expensive than the DJI FPV. So that's not necessarily an issue for somebody like us who uses a drone in their day-to-day -day work. Um, but when you're talking about programs that give SkyDio the edge over top of other drones, for instance, the rendering and mapping features, that that doesn't come free. That's something you have to pay a subscription for with the Skydio. Now you could go and get mapping software and run it through it uh, you know, manually just by importing the photos you get with the Skydio. But the the whole selling point of the Skydio 2 was you have this drone that's accurate to like less than a quarter of an inch. It's got autonomous flight. It can create these images that are just absolutely detailed, brilliant and make them into a 3D rendering or a 2D map. And now all of a sudden you're telling me I have to pay $4,000 a year just to be able to do that through the actual programming of Skydio, it's it's too cost prohibitive for somebody like me who's just starting out. It, it makes yeah. no sense at all. You know why would I do that? Right, and that's I see. I think that's their main thing is they're probably trying to model that towards construction like companies or people like you know uh, survey surveying companies like kind of what uh, Fly Rufus Fly does mm -hmm. um, or Edgar. Because uh, I mean, he he maps, and so he could probably tell you right off the bat that his company, because like he was telling me, they dropped however much, like I don't know what the RTK was like. That's a six thousand dollars, right? I think. And yeah. so they were they asked him, they're like, "What drone do we need?" And he told them, and they're like, "All right, let's get one." Mm -hmm. And so it's like, "All right, yeah, you know, if you're doing that much surveying and mapping, it's like it really." especially if you're a company that needs it on a daily basis and has somebody with a part 107 mm -hmm. and it's like what's you know you know that's going to pay for itself in the long run and that's yeah. that's the thing is the rtk unit that's a one-time cost so right. like yeah it's six grand which is significantly more than like a sky dio setup off the bat but 
as soon as you get to year two with the sky deal and again it makes sense for a larger construction business or somebody that's going to make that money back year over year but as soon as year two starts you're out another four grand and yeah. it's just it's too much whereas with the the phantom with the rtk or even the the uh, the mavic 2 with the rtk unit it, you pay for it one time and then you just need mapping software which you can get you know pix 4d and you can get odm and all these other programs for a very minimal cost up front uh, yeah. you know, then you don't have to worry about recurring costs that just sort of cripple a smaller, uh, you know, organization. Yeah. And on a lot of those third party apps, I mean, they're free for a, you know, a week or whatever, if you want to try them out. And I mean, realistically the cost on those too, cause like, um, there's a monthly fee on those and I forget exactly what it was, but it's like, I just wanted to try it. Oh, I think when I had the Phantom three standard, uh, excuse me. Uh, I had the Phantom 3 standard and I downloaded Pix4D, I think, just to try it. Um, and if I hadn't known how to kill off the GPS mode, because basically when I ran the Phantom 4 or the Phantom 3 through Pix4D, uh, it started to map and then started to just fly away from me. So I had to like throw it into. Uh, what was that mode? Uh, it's yeah, it's Addy mode is on the thing. Yeah, yeah. Mavic doesn't have that. I forgot exactly what it was, but yeah. So I had to throw <laughs> it in attitude mode and basically just stop it from what it was doing and cancel everything because if not, probably would have lost the Phantom Three. Yeah, and it's, yeah. I mean back then that was the the high end drone too. That would have been that would have sucked. <laughs> well, I mean the standard, but yeah, I mean, at the time, you know, yeah. I kind of I miss that drone as crappy as it is now. The only two point seven k, but. Well, I kind of I miss it. You think about, and I want to get back on Autel here in a second, but you think about the the phantoms, and you and I have talked about how we don't think that there that it's a guarantee that we'll have a Phantom Five. That Phantom Four Version Two might be it. Yeah, um, it, it, and it's a possibility. I, I don't know. Uh, it's hard to say, but I've always really liked the build of the Phantom. It's just it's steady, it's sturdy. Right. Um, I never felt like I was going to break the Phantom when I was flying it. You know. It, it, exactly, and that's the thing too is like I I liked the Phantom because it, it it's just more stable. Mm-hmm. Like especially like that's kind of why I like the Spark, even though it was super tiny. But it was like you know the the wings are basically attached to the body, and so like it's super rigid and it's like you could fly that in like pretty high winds i mean it would get pushed around a little bit but it wasn't to the point where it was like you know if you the 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 fpv i mean the same thing it's it's so small i mean the battery puts some weight on it so it it definitely does better when when the battery can't fly without the battery obviously but right it's got the same sort of build when it comes to the arms for the propellers as the spark did they're attached directly to the fuselage of the drone. There's no folding or anything like that. Yeah. So, and they're thick. I mean, they're, they're pretty sturdy too that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was surprised even with the, the powerful motors that it needs to do like manual acro mode. I was surprised at how steady this was in high winds. I flew it in, I think the wind gusts were up to like 18 or 19 miles an hour. And this thing just cut through it. I mean, it was, it was actually kind of impressive. Uh, I, uh, I put the Phantom 3 up one day. It was super, super windy. Like, I think it was like we were just getting like our first rainstorm of the year. And this was in 2019, I think. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it was so it was right after I bought the Spark in February, and then I went and I bought a Phantom Three off some kid, which I actually had to have it fixed. But anyways, uh, a couple months later, and it was like right the very first storm, super super windy. It must have been like gusts of like thirty to forty miles an hour, and I put the Phantom Three standard up, and I actually held what it was supposed to do, <laughs> like didn't flinch, just kind of like hovered there and like. You know, you get some wind on it, and it would just like kind of do this, but didn't didn't budge. I yeah, kind of miss I, it. I just think that it'll be um, it'll be a shame if they phase the phantom out. I, I really do. Yeah, I, I understand it's sort of got a um, an inflexible design. It's not built for the vlogger, the traveler, right? Uh, because it's harder to carry around with you. But uh, man, I've come to the conclusion that if I if what happened to my Mavic in Alaska had been the end of my Mavic. I was seriously considering replacing it with the Phantom 4 version 2 rather than the Air 2S for the pure fact that I just love the Phantom build. I mean, yeah. I wanted to go back to that so bad. Yeah, it uh, it is a really nice design. And uh, I kind of hope that DJI doesn't end that because there are so many people that want a Phantom 5. Uh, I think DJI would be stupid to not produce just because, I mean, it's it's a standalone drone. I mean, it's number one, it's their flagship. I mean, that's basically what they started with. Mm-hmm. So to kind of, it's like it would be like if Ford stopped producing the Mustang. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. I, mean, I, know I, it's kind of I agree. Crazy or like the F one fifty. If it stopped right. making F one fifties, it's like exactly. Yeah, because yeah. they people would be like, why? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was like the truck that everybody loved, and same with the Phantom. That's the drone that everybody loves. Yeah, and like. Like yeah, I mean it's it's definitely if if they could figure out a way to make it to where like the legs are foldable, like not like the landing gears are foldable, like fold out or fold in or something. Like I think more people might be a little keen to it, but I just I, yeah. I think that I know we'll talk about the Mavic Three Pro here. I know I've teased it a couple times for everybody listening and watching, but uh, we talked about potentially DJI adding interchangeability to the cameras on the Mavic without having to get into the guts. You can do that with the Mavic 2 Pro and the Mavic 2 Zoom. You can swap the gimbals out, uh, but you, you need to like basically break your warranty to do that. Right. Uh, but I know we talked about the potential of the Mavic 3 having the interchangeability that the Autel Evo 2 series had, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if DJI doesn't do that for the Mavic and instead sort of brings a level of, inspire flexibility with the various lenses and the sensor sizes and allows you to be able to interchange the gimbals and the camera setups on the phantom five if they make one uh i I think there would be a lot of value in scaling this is sort of counterintuitive to what you're talking about and making it more portable but scaling the phantom up slightly so it can handle a bigger camera payload and then allowing it to interchange out between like a one inch sensor, maybe a micro four thirds sensor and give it the tools that the Inspire has without compromising the fact that it's like their flagship drone, you know? So I agree hundred percent. I think that that would be spectacular, especially because I, w- I mean, if you look at the Inspire series, it's like the Inspire is really for those people that need a drone that doesn't want to fly like those quad, you know, I don't even want to say quadcopters, octocopters mm-hmm. with uh, a 20 pound camera, like a red camera with a center lens and stuff on it. And it's like the Inspire really is a, like a one man, like cinema drone. Mm-hmm. Um, 
like Tom DeLong uses them all the time on all the stuff that he does. And like, I don't know if, if you probably don't follow Tom, but I mean, he's been doing all that stuff with uh, to the stars Academy of arts and science. And so like they do all their own like filming documentary film stuff for like all the UFO shit that he's been doing. Mm-hmm. And like, he is like, he is super into cameras. He's got, I've seen him use like phantoms and stuff on just certain projects um like kind of behind the scenes type of thing and it's like that's like it's a one-man cinema thing and it's like he i don't think that i could see him using a mavic i think that if they didn't have that he probably would be using a phantom Mm -hmm. and being able to change or swap lenses on a phantom i think would be spectacular i know that there has been plenty of like leaked internal you know type of thing on Twitter, I know Drone XL has uh, Drone XL. Who's the other one? Is uh, Drone, Drone DJ. Drone DJ. So basically, the same one that Hi I used to write for, but they've teased about uh, a Phantom with interchangeable lens systems. Um, I think uh, I forget how to pronounce the dude's name on Twitter. Ostolavia. Uh yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, Ostola LV, yeah. but he's a uh, he posted some stuff too. It's basically it's a DJI style gimbal that has interchangeable lenses, and mm-hmm. so like it's it's not like an uh, Ronin, but it's similar to that. It's almost like an Osmo, but like with a camera attached to it that has interchangeable lenses. So like I think that they have the technology to do something like that for the Phantom. If they don't end it, yeah, I I think that that's the direction they'd go. Honestly, like I remember, um, I had the original Osmo with the weird ball shaped head on it. Yeah, um, but the the gimbal that attached to the top of it could also be put on the Phantom or the yeah Phantom, the Inspire One. And if you had the Inspire One, and it would it would be compatible with it, so you could actually fly the the Osmo gimbal assembly on a drone and then switch it off and put it on the Osmo one handheld. Uh, so, you know, I, I could definitely see that with, Oh, it's out of focus. It's still focused. Uh, bring it back. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So like, I don't know. I don't know. Here, let's see if I can zoom in. A little like, bit. I know this yeah. is, this is terrible. So you're going to have to like <laughs> get this picture off of Twitter, but, <laughs> but apparently they have a prototype for it. So I guess we'll possibly see that in the future at some point. Yeah. Um, I, I would like to see that. Um, I, I think that that's going to be, if, if they want to really help consolidate some of their, their prosumer drones, if the, if their intention is to truly cater to the entry level and the blog market, uh, the vlogger market, it, it, and they want to consolidate the prosumer and professional level drones. I think the best way to do that is to start to focus on interchangeability of your gimbal and camera setups. Uh, I, I think my, yeah, my camera just got hot. So I'm going to put a little picture of myself in there while it cools off. <laughs> so um, anyway, I, I think that the uh, the interchangeability of cameras is going to help them in the long run in consolidating their prosumer level drones. Uh, into maybe just like two options, uh, but yeah, that that yeah, time will tell on that one. Yeah, and I I can see DJI just kind of like so DJI is going to kind of, I mean if if they come out with that gimbal, 
I think they're going to try and break into the market to where it's like just an all-in-one system. So everything DJI works together with just DJI. Mm-hmm. And so like you'll have like a Ronin S2, you'll have that gimbal with the camera that comes off. You'll have uh, probably, you know, like an Osmo Action 2 or something, let's say. And then like a Phantom 5, uh, excuse me, or uh, an Inspire. And so like you're just like a one-man crew that can go out and just shoot everything and type of thing. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what, what the, the future holds. But I definitely know that Autel is coming out with some other DJI style trying to become the next DJI. Yeah. And uh, just to, to sort of cap the Autel, the Evo 3 off, um, two quick notes is, uh, first of all, they've they've got a release date, an estimated release date for October of 2021. I, I'm not sure how they're going to achieve that at this point, unless they've got everything already through production and they're just waiting to sort of send it out. I know there have been isolated cases of some people getting the Evo Lite and the Evo Nano, which we're going to talk about here in a second, uh, well before the release date. So I, I know that there are hard models out there. Uh, it's just a matter of how are they ready to sell them at mass. Uh, but the other quick note I wanted to make is uh, having to do with the flight time. This is sort of a big deal, uh, especially with the the four, micro four thirds sensor and the super sense, if that is something that's like more autonomous. The battery life for the Evo 3 is estimated to be anywhere between like 38 and 40 minutes. Yeah, uh, That's on a single battery. So, I mean, we're now approaching the threshold of getting an hour flight out of the batteries. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised in the next two or three iterations <laughs> of these drones that we see an hour long flight out of these batteries. But yeah, that's a big that's a big deal. That That's a huge deal, especially. So going back to like the Phantom 3, like uh I mean, even that was a 20-minute flight, and those batteries were huge. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty crazy. I mean, 40 minutes really is – that's a long time, man. It is. I, I wouldn't be surprised if in the next, like I said, two or three iterations of these drones, uh, you know, it's not uncommon for us to see 60 minutes of flight time. That Which yeah. sounds crazy now, but, I mean, we've already jumped from, like you said, the Phantom 3 at a 20-minute flight time to now all of a sudden – you know, we're looking at drones that have 40 minutes of doubled the flight time in less than two and a half years. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you know, looking looking at the Inspire, I mean, you can dual battery that thing. So basically it'll, you know, basically hot swapping batteries while it's flying type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, so, but yeah, but, I mean, 40 minutes. And that, that's the thing too, is like Autel, I mean, with the, the Evo 2, the AK and the 6K, I mean, that was a 30 minute flight time, which is still good. So, I mean, you know, adding an extra 10 minutes on top of that. Yeah. And good. Autel's, Autel's drones are kind of chunky. They are. I, I think that's the only thing that I made me, because like I said, when I lost the Mavic 2 in Alaska, I had a few options at my disposal up there. Uh, the, the two front runners were the Air 2S and then the Evo 2 uh, was the other one. And there were two reasons I didn't get the Evo 2. First off, uh, I don't have like, if I was going to end up keeping it, I don't have any accessories that would even come close to like fitting it. Um, yeah. The other reason is it's chunky. I mean, in terms of portability, yeah, it folds up like the Mavic does and it, it takes up about the same footprint, the drone itself. But you look at those batteries and they're about the same size as a Phantom. You know, it's it's like, how am I supposed to pack those on a, on a flight yeah. and optimize bag space? Yeah, that's the problem too, is like the Mavic 
I mean, all of the Mavic lineup. So from the Mini all the way up to the 2 Pro and the Zoom. And it's like, those batteries are really compact. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I only have two batteries for my Mavic. And it's like, I hate to say, like, I charge one and then the other one gets charged, but then just gets discharged from sitting. Yeah. Because, like, I, I rarely run through two batteries whenever I go fly. See, I'm the I'm the opposite. Uh, I have I had six at one point. I have five now. Yeah. Uh, and I there are like most I don't want to say most times, but I'd say there's at least one week a month where I don't use any of them. and They all just discharge on their own. Uh, yeah. But most of the time, you know, when I go on a flight, I'm running through three, four five batteries at a time. Oh, yeah. And I mean, there there are certain times where I'll go through both batteries and it's like, really, like. The two batteries is plenty enough for me. I was going to buy three or have three batteries total. And I was like, I don't, I don't need that. Like even for the amount of flying that I do, like even on like a day where I'm shooting a lot, it's like, I just like, I can charge batteries in my truck. Like it has a 12 volt jump so I can actually charge through like a 120, mm -hmm. but yeah, I just I wouldn't necessarily need more than two. Yeah, and that makes sense. I, you know, I've got the car chargers and I've got an adapter so that I can run a, a wall outlet adapter through my Jeep. But uh, you know, rarely do I ever need to recharge. I just have the five, and then that's you know that's that's it for me. But yeah. I do want to scale our conversation down quite literally uh, to talk about the Evo Light and the Evo Nano. Yeah. So <laughs> did you like that for a little transition? Yeah, that's that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad. Um, so Evo, the Autel Evo has, has, like you said, they're sort of trying to emulate DJI in a way that yeah. is a clear, a clear statement that they want to be competitors with DJI. Um, I mean, as they should be. I mean, there's really no other drone company that's on the market. I mean, you had X Dynamics who was trying to make like a, a Phantom style drone, which honestly. I, I really like the X Dynamics drone, but it was just super expensive. But yeah, it's like there's really no other drone company that's out there trying to compete with DJI. And it's kind of finally nice to see another company that's trying to just kind of like nudge their way into that category. But yeah. I, I think that, uh, so I've looked at the X Dynamics as well. I actually reached out to them to do a product review on their, their uh, Evolve 2. Uh, of course, I, I was not met with any response because I'm still pretty small time. <laughs> but it's right. nothing ventured, nothing gained. That's what I figured. Um, they they did respond to a message I sent them on Instagram, uh, basically stating because I asked them, I said, "Is this sort of your answer to the the Phantom?" Uh, because it, scale wise as well as build wise, it's sort of similar. You can see parts of the Phantom in it. They actually responded to me and said that it's their answer to the Inspire. Which yeah. I thought was super. Uh, that's bold. <laughs> well, and because I think if I remember correctly, you can you can swap out the gimbals on that, right? You can, and it's got a mic. The the base model has a micro four third sensor. Yeah. So I mean, on paper, it the camera setup is almost identical to the Inspire. Uh, I just when I looked at Inspire footage compared to the Evolve Two footage, I do definitely see uh, just minor stuff. Uh, you know, like. And it, not, it may be minor to me, but it's it might be major to somebody else. But image isn't quite got the same snap as the Inspire does. Dynamic range just isn't there. It, yeah. it looks like they basically took uh, what a Phantom could do and tried to put, market it as this is an alternative to the Inspire. And it's like, mm -hmm. it, it's just not quite there. Yeah. And I, so 
I didn't ever see anybody purchase the first X Dynamics drone, which I know is kind of expensive. I, I do remember seeing uh, Captain Drone, I think, did a review on one. Uh, I think Ken Heron might maybe had it for a little bit. He did. Um, I forget. There's one other guy, maybe Dustin Dunhill. Um, but I, I remember the Captain Drone one for the most part. But yeah, it, it was like for the price and for the flight time and stuff. It was like, it was like who would buy this type of thing? Mm-hmm. But the controller was probably one of the nicest features. Like everything was kind of built into the controller, and it was like, man, that's kind of what you want to have when you uh, when you're looking for a drone like that. The uh, the review that I remember, you're right, Ken did one. I don't know about Dustin. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. He, he reviews just about everything under the sun that has propellers on it. <laughs> yeah. uh, but um, I remember watching Ken's, and he was doing it at a football stadium. I want to say it was in Kentucky. It might have been Tennessee. I can't remember. But he was doing it at a football stadium, a college, a college one. And in that review, he also talked about the controller and he said the controller is badass and that is true that yeah. they, if they got one thing right over at X dynamics it's that controller that is fantastic yeah um, it's it's cuz like there's not many and i think skydio is the only one that is like a true like american company and i know x dynamics is in the united states but basically all the parts and everything obviously come from overseas but um yeah, it's like I mean, Autel. Sorry, I'm trying to flip my screen out. I might have to to swap a battery real quick. Yeah. But uh, so yeah, so it's like it's nice to see Autel kind of step in the ring and say, hey, you know, listen, we'll uh, we'll try and give DJI a run for their money, um, because there's nothing else that competes with the Mavic 2 Pro. There's nothing else that competes with the Air or the Air 2S, Air 2, whatever, whatever variation they're on now, or the Mini. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it. It is neat. Um, just to see that the competition is starting to get more. It's starting yeah. to thicken up a little bit. Um, I'm gonna put but, this battery in real quick. But keep keep talking. I'm listening. All right, cool. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, that this is for those of you watching and listening. Uh, this is why at some point I'd like to be able to do this podcast in person because just like after you run this so long, cameras start to overheat like mine did. You have to change batteries out. It's just a menagerie of things. But anyway, um, yeah, it's it's exciting to see the the competition begin to become a little bit more thick. Uh, before we move on to the actual the Evo Light and the Evo Nano, uh, the Ken Heron review of the X Dynamics Evolve One, the original Evolve, I remember very clearly being kind of impressed by it. It wasn't very steady in the wind. There were a lot of things that made you think, okay, this is definitely like just some drone company that's just throwing some ridiculous bullshit out there other than that controller. But I remember at the end of the video, he was super impressed for the most part, other than the range. The range really turned him off. He started losing signal after like 400 yards. Uh, but yeah, well. as he was landing it, the propeller actually came off of the top of the drone when it was like three feet off the ground and it crash landed like another, like, you know, two or three feet to the ground. But the propeller like literally launched up into the air. And I just remember sitting there thinking, after seeing that, there is absolutely zero chance I would ever buy this drone because God forbid he would have had that up and near people or near a road and that propeller would have snapped. You don't know where that's going then. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, like 
you had to take those propellers. It was kind of like some very similar to the Phantom where you had to take the propellers off and then put them on before each flight. Mm-hmm. But theirs went on kind of weird, if I remember correctly. It was like like you had to put a nut on and you had to tighten the nut or something. I don't remember. But. And it's like a, you, a, the, you tighten the nut counterclockwise to the way that the propeller... It's it's something ridiculous. Yeah. Like weird. Um, something yeah, that, I think like, I remember that. You just don't have any time for when you're out in the field. Why would I ever want to sit there and try to figure that out while I'm trying to get ready to fly my drone? Yeah. You know? Yeah, and that that's the other thing too is like especially if you're like if you needed to get a shot immediately and like you like kind of really hard to do all that stuff. And that's why like I liked the Phantom, but then I also hated that you had to do that with that too. I got really good at just like holding it and just slapping oh, yeah. it and spinning it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I was, I was one of those people that just like flipped it around a bunch of times and got it to the point where it was like tight enough, and yeah. then I was just like, all right, but hopefully it doesn't die. Let's, uh, let's jump into the the light and the nano. So these are DJI's responses to the, or yeah, these are Autel's responses to the DJI Air 2S and the Mini 2, respectively. Uh, so we'll start with Evo Light, which this is the response to the DJI Air 2S. There's going to be two versions of the light. There's going to be the Autel Evo light with a 1 and 1.28 inch CMOS sensor. And then there's going to be the Autel Evo light plus that has a 1 inch CMOS sensor. Both drones, however, will have 4K at 60 frames per second. And they'll both have three-way obstacle avoidance. So really, it's just a matter of the, the detail in the camera, what kind of punch the camera is going to pack do you want just the standard light or do you want the light plus that has a larger sensor size and probably better low light performance better dynamic range uh what do you think about this yeah and so it's it'll be a nice change of pace to see because like i i remember watching and i mean especially like reviews on the evo 6k and the 8k and stuff and it's like billy kyle uh original dobo um i think Ken Heron maybe touched on some of it too. Same with Dustin Dunhill, but it's like uh, they all enjoyed the color profiles that you would, you were getting from the Autel drones. It's just they were very chunky and slow from what they were saying. But um, I I'll be interested to see because like I mean I actually had pre-ordered the Mavic Air two when it first came out, so that was in 2019. Uh, it was right after I purchased the Mavic 2 Pro, and then like, I was like, man, I'm like, I really don't need another drone, and so I canceled it. I'm kind of glad I did because then they came out with the Air 2S not too long after that, and it's like, well, it's like, I like DJI, and like they're kind of pulling an Apple where like they just constantly keep refreshing a new product. But then as something else, so it was like the mini and then they came out with the mini two and now there's the mini like SE or whatever it is, which is basically a mini, t- a mini two, but with the mini one camera system or something. Yeah. And it was like, well, why, why do I need that? Like what's wrong with just the first mini? <laughs> it was, um, <laughs> yeah. And I actually talked to a few people about that. And what I've surmised is uh, from various people's opinions, as well as my own, uh, they had a bunch of extra parts sitting in the warehouse for the mini two and the mini one. And they were like, how do we get rid of these? <laughs> and so they're yeah, like, let's build a new drone and call it the SE. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's, you know, when you build your own FPV drones, that's kind of what you do is you just have a bunch of extra parts sitting around. So they're like, I'm just going to build an extra quad. Yeah. Um, which honestly, I kind of, 
I I liked that the Air 2 and the Air 2S, like they're smaller form factors. Um, they're a little bit smaller than the Pro, the 2 Pro. Um, but the thing of it was is the main reason why I liked the 2 Pro and the main reason why I bought the 2 Pro is because it had not only the one-inch sensor, but you're able to shoot in a log profile, which is nice when you're color grading because then you can basically kind of tailor it to how you want it to look. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I dealt with a baked-in profile on the Spark and on the Phantom, and I was kind of like not happy with that. Um, I dealt with it on the Spark just long enough until I bought the Mavic 2 Pro, and then I was like, I'm never buying a a drone with a baked-in profile again. But if Autel did, however, have some sort of a log profile or just like a flat color profile that was easy to grade, I think I probably would pick one up because I really kind of do want a second drone. Not that I necessarily need one, but I like the Mavic 2 Pro. It's just sometimes that one is a little too big too. Yeah, I, uh, I the... The thing that I, I love about the Mavic 2 Pro, and even the Zoom, uh, it doesn't have quite the same uh, D-log as the, the Mavic 2 Pro because it has that 10-bit color log, whereas the Zoom has an 8, uh, is the, that, that flexibility in the image. And I, I remember reading and watching reviews on the Autel drones, and that was, like you said, the biggest complaint was that Im- the color profile in that image. I mean, not that the color profile that was native to the camera was bad. It was that they actually really liked it but the lack of flexibility in a, a flat color profile that you can then grade very easily. Uh, yeah. that, that seemed to be the major complaint out of that. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, if you're going to purchase a drone and I mean, it, it all just depends on like what you need it for or what you're looking to get out of it. Um, I mean, I think having the flexibility rather than just having like a baked in profile, just like shot in a, you know, an MP4 or whatever, Um, being able to manipulate a log profile gives you more, it just gives you more of like a, a better feeling when you finish the final product. Mm -hmm. Like when I used to shoot everything with the the spark, I mean, you know, it's 1080 at 30, so it wasn't the greatest. Um, but I mean, definitely for what it was, it produced some pretty solid, but there is times where I over color graded the image and just it looked super dark and muddy and it's like once i started color grading log footage like it really just kind of like there's a, a huge difference to it yeah it, it really is um it really i have is. some friends that have just recently gotten into video production that they, they use their drones for photography almost exclusively and uh-huh. one of them i help out on a pretty regular basis the other one just comes to me every once in a while when they need it uh, but anyway, um, for the longest time they were shooting in that, that baked in color profile that the Mavic two pro has, which again, isn't bad. I mean, right out of the camera, it's pretty good. It's got a nice dynamic range. Uh, the, the image is crispy. It's, it's nice. Uh, but when you, when you learn how to color grade, which I'm no expert, but I've certainly taken big steps since I started. Um, I still, I still, tr- I still struggle with it a little bit. I think that's something that you always will because it's it's not so much a I know exactly what I'm doing every time you get in there. It's like, okay, I have an idea of how this shot went because I was there and I monitored it while I was shooting it. 
but how is this going to translate to editing it? You know, what is the light going to do when I bring up certain colors or certain values? So yeah, I, I feel like there's, you're never perfect at it. You're always going to have that level of like, oh, this, this is different than anything I've ever done before, even though I've done the same area three times. Yeah. yeah. And but, I, I think that was, I think that was the same thing with the Mavic Air 2 S is like, I mean, they are like, oh, here's a one inch sensor for you guys. Basically, it was a Mavic 2 Pro, but without an aperture and without a log profile. And it's like, well, for $1,300, you can buy that, which is a little bit newer technology, but probably still the same as the Mavic 2 Pro. Or you can just buy a Mavic 2 Pro, and you can probably find used ones out there, Mavic 2 Pros for the same price as the Air 2S, but the Air 2S a little bit smaller, so a little bit easier to put into like a camera bag. Um, which is kind of why I missed the Spark, even though the Spark's arms didn't fold in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just like super small, and it's like realistically, I could put it in the pocket of a hoodie and just walk around with it. Yeah. And the, so yeah. I I flew when I was in Alaska after I broke the Ma- broke after I crashed and couldn't recover the Mavic Two Pro. Uh, I went to and I I sort of pulled a greasy move. I don't typically do stuff like this, but went to Best Buy and bought with the intention of returning at the end of the trip, an Air 2S. And uh, it was, when I pulled it out of the box, the first thing that I noticed compared to the Mavic 2 Pro was the handling. Uh, I mean, the Mavic 2 Pro handles like a Cadillac and the Air 2S, honestly, uh, I don't wanna say it handles like a Ferrari because I reserved that for the FPV, but uh, it's like the difference between a Cadillac and, oh Jesus, what's a good comparison? Maserati? Yeah, maybe a Maserati. Yeah, that's probably not a bad comparison. No. Uh, it, it just, it was loose. It handled nicely. I, I felt like I could glide rather than like Mavic where you feel like you're just eating through airspace. The the Mavic 2 or the Air 2S just sort of just got there, you know, almost yeah. effortlessly. Um, the, but the, the big thing, the biggest thing I missed, because it does have its own, it's not the same as the Mavic 2 Pro's color log, but it does have a D-log color profile that's flat. Uh, so it did give me that flexibility with the footage, but oh, okay. the, thing, the thing that I really missed about it was the adjustable aperture. That yeah. sucked. That that sucked so bad. Yeah, and that's the thing is once you get used to a, uh, an aperture on something, and you aren't able to use that on a, a newer product, you're like, man, it's like I could get maybe a little bit of a better shot. And it's the same thing. It was like when I went from the Spark to the Mavic 2 Pro, I mean, the first thing I noticed was when I took the photo, I mean, obviously besides the higher resolution, uh, just being able to control the aperture and get a sharper image throughout. And it's like, yeah, it's like just, you can't really live without it. And honestly, and it's like, the fixed apertures on drones for the most part are decent enough that they'll be able to capture whatever you want. You know, it'll still look good when you edit it up and stuff, but to have that control and it was like the same thing like I was saying with like the cell phones and the the GoPros, like if you're not able to really control any of that stuff and it's like, I mean, what difference is it than a, just a cell phone camera? Yeah, I, I, the, 
I think what upset me about the Air 2S with the the lack of adjustable aperture is being used to with the Mavic 2 Pro. I used uh, ND filters uh, on the uh, especially for video work on the Mavic 2 Pro. And what oh, yeah. with the Air 2S is I bought the Fly More combo, so I had filters, which that gave me at least a little bit of breathing room. Uh, you know, it, with it not being necessarily perfect, being overexposed, whatever. But um, when I got it up there. There were multiple occasions where I was like, damn it, I could maybe use like another stop or two or, you know, the, the, or I wish that I could adjust the aperture to just get this lighting just how I need it. And yeah. it just, it, it was never, you know, it, it turned yeah. out fine for what I had, but I wish I would have had more firepower because I think that the video from that trip could have been so much better. Yeah. And that's the problem too, it, especially with drone cameras is like, I know free well. I think I'm pretty sure it's free. Well, they maybe maybe Polar Pro made some too, but I was pretty sure. I think Freewell made them. There are variable NDs for like the Mavic Air or the Mavic Air 2 or something like that. And it's like, well, you can't change it on the fly. You have to fly it back to change the aperture or the variable ND on it. And it's like, what really is even the point of that? Right. Like, it would be a little bit different if you just throw it into auto ISO or just like automatic and just let it go to town. Cause I don't know. I mean, if you have to fly the drone out to figure out that that's not the, you know, ND that you need the neutral density to fly it back, just change it. Mm -hmm. It kind of sucks. And it's like, yeah. I was, I was out flying the Mavic the other day. Uh, I didn't even have an ND filter on it. It was just, we were getting so low on light that I was just able to film at like 400 ISO with just the regular like glass element on the front and not even have to worry about an ND. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so nice having that like aperture just to play with. Cause you know, if you only have an aperture eight on it or an aperture six or uh, an ND 16, I mean, then you can go ahead and bump it up to an F2.8 or an F4 or whatever you need it at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that, that, the absence of that adjustable aperture was noticed and it was noticed very hard on the Air 2S. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know. Cause like, I mean, I watched some of the reviews and stuff on it. I mean, I don't, maybe I just forgot. I didn't think that the Mavic Air 2S had like a, a log profile on it, but I guess I was wrong. They might have done a, a firmware update. Or, I'm not sure. But yeah, when I got in there, I was able to go from the, the baked in color profile that it just came with stock and okay. uh, switch it to a D-log profile, which flattened it out. And it made it, it, I will say that the good shots that I got with the Air 2S, I would say were slightly better than like a good shot that I would have gotten with the Mavic 2 Pro. The, the camera, even though it doesn't have that adjustable aperture, uh, they did something with it where it, when it shoots, I mean, the colors that come out of that and the flat profile are extremely vivid. I mean, it was true to form. Uh, I'm used to with, and I'm sure you know this too, uh, with drone footage, I'll go and I'll see like if the water's super blue somewhere, I'll fly my drone. And then when I look at the footage, it's either too exaggerated or it's not blue enough. It, it sort of takes that element out of it that you see with your, your own eyes. But when I was in Alaska, and I flew the drone and then I processed the video afterwards. I can tell you every clip that the Air 2S shot in that video, which was basically like after minute mark two and a half forward, uh, every clip that was shot with the Air 2S, 
that is exactly what the colors looked like. It was so just spot on. I mean, it did a perfect job. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so I'm, I don't know. Cause like, I remember with the first original air t- air Mavic air two, what they had the quad bear sensor on it. So like, I know that was probably more for just photos, but, um, I don't know if they still use that or if it was just basically they just took the Mavic 2 Pro sensor and put it in that. Yeah. But I'm sure that they probably updated it at some point when they're just going through their like whole spiel, putting everything back together. Um, and that's the thing, too, is like that is also another reason why I like log profiles is because you can then take any photo or image or video and you can tweak all that in post like. I mean, I use DaVinci Resolve, and the way that I color grade now is completely different than when I first started. So, I mean, I try to get better at it. Um, but just being able to, you know, make a node, and then you take that node and use it to, like, you know, use it for just straight coloring. So, I set up six or seven different nodes in DaVinci Resolve, and then I label each one. So, like, my white and blacks my color temperatures, my curves, my colors, my shadows, my highlights and stuff like that. And so I go through each one and I've gotten a lot better at color grading Mavic footage like that. So, I mean, I would like to, I I wish I had the money or just somebody that had an extra one that I could borrow for a couple of weeks and just kind of put them side by side. But at this point they'll probably release another Mavic Air 2 S5 or something. <laughs> yeah, or a, a phantom. It that's the whole thing is if you're if you're watching or listening to this and you're thinking about getting into drones and you're just trying to cut your teeth in the industry, uh, don't fall for the consumerism trap that is the drone industry because it's just like anything else, especially like cell phones. They come out with a new drone that has slightly better features than the last one, hoping that you'll spend the money on it. It my rule of thumb, I haven't always listened to this, but I try to as much as I can. I wait at least two years before I even think about replacing something. Uh, and even then, you know, that's, that's a stretch. I mean, really, if I weren't trying to get viewers and subscribers on my YouTube channel, I don't know that I would even purchase the Mavic 3, uh, no matter what specs come with it, no matter how great it's reviewed, uh, because the Mavic 2 Pro is going to do just what I need for the next few years anyway. Uh, but you know, me with the mission that I have, I know that I'm going to have to probably drop the money on that to, to get ahead. So, um, anyway, uh, I digress. We, we digress. Uh, let's let's turn our attention back to the Evo smaller drones. So we have the nano specs. Now you may have different information over there. I was only able to find so much on the nano, uh, in the picture that was leaked by Autel with the lineup of drones, uh, that were in various colors. They also had a nano drone that is to compete with the DJI Mini 2. There are not a lot of details out about this as far as I can tell. Uh, There's two different variations of it. There's the standard and then there's the Pro. The standard nano does not have obstacle avoidance, whereas the Pro does have obstacle avoidance, and they're both sub-250 gram drones. So they're going to be under that FAA threshold for registration as long as you're using it just for recreation. Now, my thoughts in terms of what matters in this drone is the camera. I don't think that they can release something with anything less than 4K. 
Uh, if it's going to compete with the mini, it's got to have 4K as the max. Uh, the the only thing that I could see them doing to sort of one up the mini is increasing the frame rate. Uh, you know, making it 4K 60 rather than 4K 30. Otherwise, you know, the only other option that you have is to either match it or bump the resolution up to 5.2K. I, I don't know how possible that is on a on a drone like this, but uh, they're going to have to do something to make it stand apart, other than the obstacle avoidance on the pro model. Well, and if you really look at the Mini 2s and stuff, like, I know the first original Mini didn't have any obstacle avoidance. Does the does Mini 2 have obstacle avoidance? It does not, no. Yeah, I didn't think so. So, realistically, they're kind of already ahead of, <laughs> they're already, already ahead of them on that. Um, I would say that it's probably going to be very similar to specs of Mini 2. I mean, 4K, 30, probably 12 megapixel. Um I mean, they're basically they're kind of throwing that out to just the amateur photographer or somebody that just just trying to get into drones. So I don't think I don't see it being anything more than basically what the DJI Mini 2 is. Uh, I mean, same specs as the Mini 2s and the Mini 30 minute flight times. Uh, they have a 6.2 rating for or 10 kilometers as far as distance goes. So, I mean, realistically, how much more do you want from a small miniature drone? Yeah, I, and I think that you're right. The obstacle avoidance would probably be enough just to set it apart from the Mini 2. I don't know that you're, I, I think you're right. I don't Which, know that they necessarily need to improve the camera much. Uh, but I think that was the big thing that the Mini 2 missed out on. I understand the Mini 1, they were just getting their, their DJI was just, putting it out and out there, the idea of an entry-level drone for somebody that's an amateur photographer, somebody that's just trying to get into drones without breaking the bank. Uh, but I think the big thing that they missed on both the Mini 1 and the Mini 2 was not including any type of obstacle avoidance system. Because if you're truly making that drone yeah. for amateurs and yeah. entry-level people, they're the ones that really need obstacle avoidance more than just about anybody. And I really feel that DJI missed the boat on that too. Because honestly, like... They number one, they could have used the same uh, motors from the Spark and then had attachable and detachable props. Uh, I don't know why they used miniature, like miniature props that you had to screw in to the motor. That was very odd to me. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean it, that's just for the mini one. Uh, and then obstacle avoidance, like the Spark had obstacle avoidance i mean granted it was only you know front-facing obstacle avoidance but still especially for newer drone pilots i mean that's that's a plus in anybody's book i mean realistically you should be putting that on there so people aren't having to spend more than they need to but you know whatever yeah i i've been told by other people that i've had this conversation with that the the main reason dji didn't include obstacle avoidance on the mini drone the one and the two is to keep it under that 250 gram weight threshold, which I guess that makes sense when you put more guts and more sensors in it, it's going to weigh more. Uh, I don't know incrementally like what a sensor would weigh or what it would add to the weight, but uh, that, that argument does make sense to me, but with the Mini 1 anyway, the Mini 2, it's like, okay, you should have had at least enough time to sit down and figure out how do we integrate forward and backward obstacle avoidance without making this drone too heavy. That that's that sort of blew my mind that they didn't integrate that. Um, I also think too, because like, I mean, if you remember the size of the Spark as compared to the size of the Mini or the Mini 2, like it definitely 
they were trying to keep it in lieu of that whole Mavic style. So, like, I understand that, but they could have made it a little bit more narrow Mm -hmm. um, and definitely gotten it maybe under that threshold to the point where they could have added the obstacle avoidance front sensor at least. Um, But, I mean, realistically, I don't don't design drones, so I I couldn't tell you. Uh, I would think that maybe if they just made it a little bit more narrow to the point to where it was, like, maybe an inch smaller i guess let's say because the spark was kind of small like if mm-hmm. you cut the wings off of it and just looked at it i mean it was like this big it was, don't yeah only that wide or so that's I, yeah it's, it's true. pretty right and so that's the thing is like i mean why couldn't you just kind of use the spark style and just make it look like a mavic i don't know yeah that's it's hard to say um i i do know that 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 was uh, that's something that I think you're right. The nano, as long as you have an option for obstacle avoidance. Now, I, I, I don't understand, uh, I guess, just for the sake of having a one-to-one competitor, why they would even bother with a standard and a pro version. If, you know, if, if what we're speculating is true, that the obstacle avoidance is going to be their one-up to the DJI Mini 2 uh, with their nano ver- with their nano drone. Why would you even bother with a standard drone? I mean, it, with a standard model of it where it doesn't have obstacle avoidance, just leave it out. You're basically just making a mini at that point. So you, you have people that will spend the extra money for the obstacle avoidance. Yeah. It, it, I mean, how much are you going <laughs> to add to that? You're going to add an extra hundred bucks. It's like if somebody's willing to spend $400 in a drone, they're willing to spend $500. That's just my philosophy. Um, yeah. And that's the thing too is like, so I think it'll, I think it'll be like a, you'll have a, 399 or 299 entry point for the like the base model and then you'll have the like 3 or 499 price point for the obstacle avoidance. And so like I mean it really all just boils down to are you okay with flying it without obstacle avoidance or do you not want to crash it? Yeah. That's that's a, a great point. It really is. Um, right. Th- at this point though I I, I did see that these were supposed to have been the the light and the nano were both supposed to have been released in August of this year. That has not come to fruition. We're already in mid mid to late September at this point at the as of the recording of this. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm I'll be curious to see if these drones make their way to shelves this year. Uh, I, I don't know. I think the holidays for drones like this would be perfect because it, again, it's capturing that entry level in that amateur photographer market. Uh, but I, it's hard to say. I don't know. Um, I mean, you have to look. So we're it's uh, Monday, the twentieth of September in twenty twenty one. So if they were trying to release it in August, they obviously missed the mark. But that's not to say that I mean, we're have you know we're on the cusp of having a, which a lot of people are you know at this point vaccinated. A lot of people are either you know, getting back into what they consider to be like a normal lifestyle now. And so like everybody's still going out. Everybody's trying to make, you know, the most of their life at this point. Um, I don't know what it's like up in Pennsylvania, but I definitely know down here in Florida, everybody's partying hard. So, I mean, they're trying to make the most out of it and get back into the lifestyle that they were living before pandemic. If, if it's still going on or whatever to some people, I don't know. Um, (laughs) say pennsylvania this is just my philosophy pennsylvania and more moderate states in that we have a good mix in our population of you know moderates and conservative or liberals and conservatives i'd say a moderate state like pennsylvania we're probably 70 percent of what florida is doing right now i mean we're, yeah. a lot of us are really getting back to normal 
those of us that are a little more cautious that are getting back to normal or maybe still wearing masks and stuff like that out in public. But I know oh, I, mean, I still do it. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense. I, you know, it, people that complain about masks, this is probably an unpopular take in some mar- segments of my demographic audience. Uh, people that complain about wearing masks is like, that's the, the, the least you can do. I mean, nobody's asking you to inject anything in your body. Nobody's asking you to do anything that's debilitating to your, your physical, you know, ability. You're wearing a piece of cloth on your face. Yeah. (laughs) That's the the thing of it. Like, I mean, my take on it is like, there are some people that like their jobs are requiring them to wear masks on like a daily basis. Like, I mean, even like like surgeons and nurses and stuff, Mm -hmm. um, like they're wearing masks on a constant basis and like they're not complaining about it um it's you know it'll get to the point where it's like i would much rather just wear a mask for the 15 or 20 minutes that i have to go into a store Mm -hmm. um to buy what i need or whatever and then i'm outside of the store back into my car i can take my mask off type of thing yeah like i you know i've done a little bit of research um through the cdc and the fda's website on some of the moderna vaccine and stuff like that and like i'm kind of interested in getting it um but my main concern was like what I found is it does have like a certain risk of heart inflammation, which kind of like deterred me a little bit. So like I kind of want to talk to a cardiologist and just kind of see what they say, if, if they have any information on it. Cause my brother and my mom both got Moderna. And so like they had no issues with it. So I'm just kind of wondering like what, what, where the heart inflammation side of that came from and theirs. But um, I like what I was saying is, you know, everybody's we're coming up to the holiday season. So everybody's still like trying to get back into their normal life. And I think that you're probably going to see a spike in sales, especially consumer sales this year alone. Um, I went into Best Buy the other day and they actually, they shrunk their DVD selection, which they used to have a pretty big one. Um, They actually made it a lot smaller, which I was a little upset but whatever uh they had a boatload a boatload of tvs where all the dvds were and i was like what is up with all the tvs mm-hmm. like big yeah. ones too like expensive ones. it's probably holiday i mean they're, they're getting ready for that and i mean it's sad because i do like having a physical product like most of the video games that because i still play xbox on occasion um most of the video games I have are hard copies. I don't. Yeah. I don't necessarily like downloading something digitally. I like to know that. Hey, I own this. This is mine. Well, um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna mess up my camera real quick. But okay. Yeah. No worries. Look. That's uh. That's your DVD collection. Yeah. So like, I got Blu-rays. <laughs> I love Blu-rays. Um, every like I go to. I go to some stores that they have. Uh. They have uh, like budget Blu-ray options, like three bucks, five bucks. Like I got the devil inside the other day, like especially right now, you know, spooky season. So it was like five bucks at Big Lots. So it was like for five dollars. I was like, why not? Yeah, I like I like physical copies and stuff. Like I, I mean, I have some books on there. I used to have more books. I actually donated a bunch of them, but uh, I have a couple Xbox games. I've been replaying uh, Grand Theft Auto Five. Ooh, that's a good one. This is because like it's it's something that you can play when you're bored and it's just like it just kind of kills the time. Yeah, I uh, I just downloaded uh, this is 
really off topic of drones, but I just downloaded uh, Call of Duty, uh, Black Ops, uh, Cold War. Oh, yeah. And the reason I did that is because I don't play a lot of the online multiplayer anymore, but what I do like is the, used the zombies. To. I love playing zombies. That's like one of my favorite things to do. And uh, so, you know, when I, when I have time, like Katie's in Maryland right now for work, so I've got the apartment to myself. And, oh, nice. Uh, <laughs> You know, with without having her here, not that she not that I feel like she holds me back or anything from doing that stuff. But uh, I don't have to worry about entertaining or watching our shows together. I can sit down in my room and just fucking kill zombies all night. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is like I really I want to get a Wii like for no for no other reason than to just have a Wii Sports. Yeah. I like I loved Wii Sports. That was such a fun game to play, and it's like I just I I don't need to buy a Wii, uh, but I want to. Yeah. Uh, I also want to buy a Game Boy, so I can play Pokemon. Like a game, like an original Game Boy. Well, not like an like a Game Boy Color or something, okay. but yeah. Word. All right. I feel you. <laughs> like I've been like I've I've been having this like I, I've been looking up on how to download uh, like emulators so I can uh-huh. just. I can just have an emulator on there and not have to actually buy one, but I'll have to send you the link. I had an emulator a long time ago. I had Bomberman, I had uh, Pokemon, I had Legend yeah. of Zelda. I mean, I was like, playing everything on my computer, but it was all like in the style of a Game Boy, you know? Yeah, great. yeah. That's I've seen them. Like you can download them. Like I guess you have to hook the phone up to the computer and download the emulator onto it, type of thing. But oh yeah, that's yeah. On the phone, it's a little different. I just would ha- be on my my desktop, and I would use the arrow keys to like. Well, basically, like, you know, I figured it. I got the phone on me all the time. Whenever I'm bored, I can just bust it out and play Pokemon on the go. That's very true. <laughs> that's very true. But yeah. Um. All right. So we're entering the final stretch. This is the last topic I wanted to touch on with you. Wait. Uh, wait are we going to talk about it now? We're it's it's time to talk about it. We are talking about the Mavic Three Pro. Uh, the me, thing everybody has been waiting for. Dear God, how about it? It's uh, We've talked about this. It seems like you and I talk about everything, which is good, because I need somebody to, to vent to and bounce my ideas off of. But the it has been years since DJI has implemented a prosumer solution, an update to a prosumer drone. What, the Mavic 2 is three and a half years old? Same with the Phantom 4. Uh, the Inspire is what six years old. It, it's just it's insane that they've gone this long without implementing a new prosumer solution. In my opinion, anyway. Well, and so that was the thing is um, Mavic Air came out, which was in what twenty nineteen, late twenty nineteen, I believe. Yeah. No, I thought it was earlier than that. Oh no, the Air, the Air. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Mavic Air. The original air, yeah, that came out in like April, yeah, February, February, May. It might have been maybe, yeah, February or March of 2019, I think, because that's when it first came out. I remember looking at it and I was like, man, because I was gonna buy that and then like I couldn't afford it, so I just got the spark. Mm-hmm. Um, and then not too long after that, they came out with the Mavic Air 2. Mm-hmm. Which then I was like, well, I'm like, that's cool. And, you know, like an upgrade because everybody was complaining about how it was noisy and about how the flight time on it sucked, which I mean, you know, it was like 17 or 18 minutes, which I get. Right. Um, but then everybody was like, oh, yeah, Mavic, Mavic 3 is coming out. Because <laughs> like I, I did a thing on the Mavic Mini. Like it was one of those things like, why did they create the Mavic Mini? And I was like, 
I was like, yeah, I'm like, well, we'll see. They're probably going to release the Mavic 3 here in January of 2020. Yeah, that, that didn't, didn't happen. <laughs> no. And, uh, yeah, it's like, so we've we've been waiting uh, for a very long time. Uh, I think people are waiting for the Phantom 5, too. So, I mean, what was the Phantom 4 version 2? It was 2019, 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just, you know, they just, they keep, they, they I guess they finally listened. <laughs> I, they, they almost had to. And there's part of me, I, I was getting frustrated, but then I thought to myself, remote ID plays into this. We don't yeah. know, we still don't know what the FAA is going to expect for broadcasting remote ID. What kind of signal does it need to transmit? What kind of, is it digital? Is it analytical? what did they want for this remote ID system? And I can't help but wonder if part of the hesitation of producing the next iteration of this drone, or for that matter, any of their prosumer drones, was because they wanted to see if the FAA would come out and say, okay, this is how we expect it to be done. This is what you need to integrate into your out-of-the-box drones in order to be compliant with the remote ID regulations. But at some point, I mean, 2023, we're still a year away from that when you need that nobody said anything about what is required for that. There's no manufacturers out there coming out with viable third-party remote ID transmitter solutions. So in my opinion, you know, you just sort of have to pull the trigger at some point and hope that you can do a firmware update. And at worst, uh, you know, just come out with your own remote ID tech that you can attach to the drone. Uh, So the part of me thinks they held off for that. The other part of me thinks that they were just too busy capturing the attention of the entry-level market. That, yeah, you know, I don't know what the truth is. Yeah, and so I think, especially with the Air 2 and the Air 2S, like, you saw ADS-B was, you know, added into those. So ADS-B obviously was a new standard for manned aircraft as well as drones. And so I think that possibly they already have the technology in some of the newer stuff that were all they have to do is just send out a firmware update to those. Um, I don't know how or if it's at all possible with the older stuff like the Mavic Air or the Mavic 2 Zoom or the 2 Pro. Um, I do remember seeing something uh, and I think I think it was maybe DJI. I think maybe you might have also seen this too, but it was like some weird thing. It was for the FPV pilots. But it was like basically like a standalone thing for like a remote ID. Mm-hmm. I don't know I, if you said. I do remember seeing that. Uh, real quick before we move forward, because I'm aware that pe- there are some people that might be listening or watching that don't know what ADSB is. Could you just fill us in on what that is? Uh, yeah. So basically, it's just anti-collision software. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, basically, it, it sends a, a signal from the drone to the manned aircraft, letting them know that they're in the vicinity, which. I know that, especially on some of the newer drones, uh, I think maybe on the heads-up display on the controller, it'll let you know when there is uh, a manned aircraft in the sky near you, and it'll probably like point towards that way. I think. I was I just flying for the, but I was just flying the FPV before I, I hopped on with you tonight to record, and uh, it's the, the 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 signal that you get from the manned aircraft to you is what they call air sense. Uh, that's what that's what DJI's implemented anyway. Uh, okay. But yeah, it like you said on in the FPV goggles, I get a little heads up in the bottom right corner that tells me that there's aircraft in the vicinity. Uh, okay. And I mean, it is accurate because it, you know no sooner than I hear a plane or a helicopter coming from the distance, my drone's letting me know that there's there's an aircraft nearby. Yeah. Uh, which uh, honestly, I. 
I think that they probably should have implemented that a lot sooner, but that's, yeah. it's good. It is. I, I, I think that that's a, a good start. Uh, and personally, I think that the, the, I could be way off on this. I think that the remote ID is going to be all digital based. I, I just don't see, there's too much that goes into, not too much. I don't want to say too much. It's, it's a lot to expect an entry level or somebody that flies RTF drones. Excuse me. Yeah, um, God thank you. It's a lot to expect somebody that's entry level or flies RTF drones almost exclusively to understand, attain, and uh, grasp the nuances of doing something via analog. Uh, it's, it's, I, I just don't see it as a practical solution. So I almost think remote ID has to be digital, um, to, to be able to get everybody on board very easily. Yeah, I think. And so like, I just, I just did the, uh, oh my God, the recurrent test. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Part, yeah. Uh, um, so there is some stuff on the recurrent test for like remote ID, uh, excuse me. And, uh, <laughs> so like realistically, I mean, it's going to get to the point where, especially for like hobbyists and it's going to suck for them. Um, but you're only going to be able to fly in like designated areas. So it's like, you're going to have to figure out what to do with that information. There's a, there's going to be a real market, I think for third party RID broadcast software or hardware. Oh, um, I'm sure. I'm yeah. Sure. I, I, I think that the, the challenge, especially for guys that, are, are building their own like FPV quads. Uh, the challenge is gonna be, how do I mount this to my rig? A, without affecting flight performance and B, in a way that it doesn't, uh, it, you don't have any issues electrically. How do you integrate that electrically to your battery pack, to the other, you know, to get it a power source it needs without having to completely rebuild your drone from the ground up. That's gonna be the tough part. Uh, but I think once they, they understand how that needs to be integrated, it's it'll be it, it'll be not such a pain in the ass anymore uh so i really i mean i hate to say it i really honestly i think as far as the fpv community goes they're they're just gonna ignore that they have well, to do that um, part of that yeah because <laughs> and well and that's the thing is the fpv community is the like i don't want to make it sound bad Cause like they're not all like that, but a lot of them just don't care about the rules and the regulations. And I'm like, I'm not saying it's all of them, but there's a majority of them that just want to go out and fly. They don't want to have to deal with a remote ID. They don't want to have to deal with registering their drones and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, like I, I understand it. And especially it's the same thing. Like in Florida, when I was growing up, you didn't have to have a fishing license, but now if you want to go fishing, you have to have a license to do that. And it's like, why? Right. And I think that's what a lot of people just kind of like, like, why do I have to do all this stuff just to fly this thing? And it's like, if you look back at, you know, guys that used to build their own like model planes and stuff, it was like, yeah, they would go to their like little RC clubs or whatever. But a lot of them just like, like you didn't have to do any of that stuff. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. And I think, yeah, especially with the FPV community, I think that you have to look at, uh, the the way that they fly. I, I, I think that that's the the sort of the screwed up thing with remote ID is you're you're putting this umbrella over everybody. When realistically, yeah, you could yeah. build a drone like an FPV drone or just even a GPS drone. You could build drone that can get up to you know sixteen hundred feet. It can go really really high. Like the DJI's are capped at sixteen hundred feet. That's the highest that you can send it. 
Obviously, yeah. that's against the rules to begin with in most cases. But um, anyway, well, it depends. Well, yeah, it, it depends. I mean, there are scenarios where you can fly that high. Uh, of course. But and that's the thing is like, I, you know, I understand where you're coming from. It's like, you know, what's stopping anybody from doing whatever they want to do? Well, and you look at the FPV community as a whole, though, most I, I'm willing to bet 95 percent of those guys and girls, for that matter, uh, aren't looking to send their drone even 200 feet in the air. Most of them don't go that high. They're they're shooting gaps. They're hitting obstacles. The yeah. most that they the, on from what I've seen, this is very antiquated or not antiquated, but um, anecdotal uh, evidence for me. The, the most that I've seen them go super high is when they're trying to dive down a tower or something like that. Yeah. But for yeah. the most part, they're just trying to fly stunts and usually they're under 150 feet. So like, why are we policing those guys? Most of the time, they're not even coming close to a manned aircraft. No, 100%. And I agree with you on that because like, I mean, any of the videos that we've ever seen of any drone hitting anything is normally some guy who has... You know, I hate to say it, it's like a DJI drone, and what he's doing is he's just going up as high as he fucking can with it, and then that's why we all get shitted on. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I'm like, and I agree. I mean, as far as FPV goes, because like, I mean, I had the little tiny hawk too for a little bit. Um, God rest his soul, I couldn't get it fixed, so I just had to get rid of it and just ignore it, and I just cut out of FPV. And the mess up thing too was, is Edgar sent me a little FPV kit. And he's like, here, you, you can use this. Like, I couldn't get that to work with the controller that I had. So I just kind of, I just said whatever. Um, I kind of want to get back into FPV. Anyways, but yeah, I mean, those guys are realistically, I mean, you know, maybe 100, 200 feet up, if that. Yeah. And even still, I mean, the same rules apply to them. That if you're within 400 feet of a structure, you can go 400 feet above that. So exactly. if it's a 600 foot tall building, he could be up at 1,000 feet. Exactly. And that's that's one of those exceptions where you can go well above 400 feet is in those scenarios. We have a, a skyscraper in Lancaster that's, uh, I think it's 300 feet. It's, it's somewhere in that ballpark of around 300 feet tall. And uh, so, you know, in downtown Lancaster over Penn Square, I can go up to 700 feet and, you know, be well within my regulation. Uh, so it is nice. But yeah, I mean, like I said, the FPV guys, the guys that are going to you know, push back on this and just not follow that rule. Why would we even try to police them? They're not hurting anybody. Most of the time, they're just trying to do cool tricks and they're usually under 200 feet, which if there's manned aircraft at 200 feet, you're either right next to an airport, which is a problem, or they're crash landing or emergency landing, or they're being severely negligent (laughs) in a manned aircraft. So, yeah, it's room for error is very small. I've actually seen some some small Cessnas around here. And like, I mean, I live like 5.1 miles exactly away from a class D airport. Mm. Um, but I have seen some helicopters and some smaller planes that are flying real low. Uh, I couldn't tell you that they were at 200 or 300 AGL, but I mean, they're a lot lower than like I was expecting them to be. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things is like, I mean, the problem is, is the remote ID is going to get implemented and a lot of older drones aren't going to be able to broadcast that signal, um, especially if they're not able to get a firmware update. If there's if there needs to be some third party accessory that goes onto it, kind of like a loom cube, 
like an anti-collision light, I guess you would maybe just have to put one of those on top of a drone or something that would just kind of broadcast a signal or whatever. But yeah. um, I would think that maybe anything that has been made within the last four years, like the Mavic 2 Pros and stuff, the Mavic Air 2 minis like those should all be able to get a, a firmware update i think because like you said it's probably gonna all be digital anyways um so i highly think that those are probably gonna be able to just get firmware updated if mm-hmm. not you'll probably have to see something like one of those like like a loom cube go on top of it or something just that hangs off of it yeah i um, uh, i did notice in the mavic 2 pros menu this is maybe a year ago at this point uh, they did do a firmware update where there's a remote ID menu in the settings okay. for the Mavic 2 Pro. So you can go yeah, in and you can change the, the remote ID name and you can change the identification number on it. So I'm assuming that if DJI is on the right track with that, you're basically, if you register your drone, you're going to be assigned, whether it's your registration number or something else, you're going to be assigned a remote ID number that you have to program into that software then. And then you have to turn it on and name your aircraft and provide your name as well. And then from there, it'll probably allow you to then transmit that information out to whatever system they have set up. Yeah, I would think that that is probably going to be the case. Uh, I think I do remember seeing something in there. Um, I think maybe we discussed that a while ago. Uh, But yeah, I, I think I remember seeing something in the menu for that. It's just we'll see when the time comes. I mean, as of right now, it's it's still an open hobby for the majority of people. So, yeah, I just I'm going to hate to see that. You know, it's you're going to have people that go out by a drone and have absolutely no idea about remote ID. And then they're just going to be stuck wondering why their drone isn't being able to get flown. Well, the perfect example of that is the trust test. And I, I, I you and I both agree on this. I firmly believe that they needed something like the trust implemented. That was an absolute necessity. The problem with it is they didn't make it very well known or they didn't make the information very easily accessible to people just getting involved as recreational pilots to understand that you need to take that test before or go through that course rather. It's not really a test uh, before you can even put your drone in the air. You know, so the fact that they, they haven't really pushed it that hard to the people that need to hear it the most that's going to be the same thing with remote ID. You're going to have a bunch of people that have no idea what all goes into that. Just flying willy nilly anyway. Yeah. And see my, and like, I know probably very unpopular opinion. Uh, what I have been saying for the longest time now, especially like even before, what was it? One of the, they wanted all of us to go onto the FAA's website and like submit our ideas for remote ID and stuff. And it's like, I've been saying it for a long time, especially because there's a lot of people that fly part 107 without a license type of thing. But it's like, if you buy a brand new drone, the first thing you can do before you should be able to take off with the drone is you have to register it. Mm -hmm. And then you have to put that registration number inside of the drone. So this way the app will unlock and allow you to take off with the drone. But at that same token, too, so if you're going to register it, you have to pass, like, a small little test or something or at least have, like, a knowledge test of, like, how, like, the, you know, kind of the rules thing. (laughs) Because that'll kill two birds with one stone. You're registering the drone, and then you're also, you have the rules. And so you should be able to simultaneously kill two birds with one stone. And then this way people can fly a little bit more responsibly. Um, But that's not the case because I understand that you wouldn't sell stuff like that 
to people because they would be like, I'm not going to do this. Yeah. That's the same thing with masks. Uh, it, it, yeah, that's that's a really good point, actually. It yeah. is almost the exact same thing. Um, Which, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to be a mask hole, but, you know, it's <laughs> like if everybody participated, we wouldn't have these instances where we're having to implement a remote ID because people don't know how to fucking read the rules and, and learn stuff and then go fly their drone at 900 feet in the air and hit a Cessna 127. And then that gets reported to the FAA. And then we got to track. It was like the, the dude that flew his Inspire or Phantom at the Blue Angels thing. Oh, what an idiot. Yeah. Like, how would that even make sense? Like to oh, yeah. me. So here's the thing <laughs> is if you're if you're flying your drone in maybe airspace that is controlled, but you're like, let's say the airport's five miles, you know, four and a half miles away. You're within that four. And a, technically, you're within five miles, but you're keeping it below 300 feet. You know the the runways over there, four and a half miles. The they're not coming anywhere near you. That's one thing. But when you've got a live aerial show with the blue angels going on right overhead, yeah, and you think it's an oak, it's okay to fly your. Well, sure, bud. Come on, man. Oh yeah, yeah. And that that was my my favorite part of that is like everybody in the drone community saw that and said, "What the absolute fuck is this idiot doing?" Yeah. And then it's like, it's this exactly why we can't have nice things, you know? It really is. It really yeah. is. And I don't, I don't like to be that, that guy. Uh, no, nobody does. Yeah. You don't want to be that guy. And you don't, you certainly don't want to see somebody get in so much trouble that it alters their life. That's it. I don't right. want to be, be that guy. But at the same time, like use your head, you're, you're just going to ruin it for the rest of us. And if I see yeah. you doing something that's going to absolutely ruin it for the rest of us, I'm going to call you out. It, it's, yeah. It's no, and I agree 100%. And, and you know what the mess up thing is, too, is we're now starting to see more drone pilots. Like, I've seen more videos on YouTube about drone pilots getting contacted by FISDO. Mm-hmm. Uh, Original Dobo uh, just had a couple of them here. Uh, I don't know if you follow him on his Twitter or whatever, but there's he a couple other ones at night without the anti collision lights. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. it was like, it was one of those things where it's like, that's sort of a new like a new rule that not everybody understands because for the longest time, like you were allowed to fly at night without anti collision lights. Well, not without them, but like with the ones that came on the drone, um, as long as it wasn't part one Oh seven, like there was no real, like you could do it. You just weren't allowed to get paid for it type of thing. Right. As long as you had the lights on the drone flashing, but it's like now you have to have one that's three statute miles are visible for three statue miles so it's like you know you kind of need one of those like little loom cube things yeah it's uh and i know that he knew the rule uh but it was one of those deals where right he was not confused but he didn't take any consideration he was also flying extremely low and i think that in the phone call that he provided in the one video update he did about it uh the the fisdo person actually says look I, I watched the footage. I know that you were even below 100. You weren't even going that high. But, right. You know, I just need to do my due diligence and contact you and let you know that you need to be flying with that anti-collision lighting no matter what. Uh, the guy was super cool. Like, didn't yeah. get him in any real trouble or anything like that. Basically, just had a stern talking to him with, you know, with him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you're going to see that more and more. I wish that the FAA actually was more active that way. Uh and I, I don't think that every example needs the book thrown at it. You know, I, that like in original Dobo, like dude was not hurting anybody. He was flying way under a hundred feet. 
so what he didn't have anti-collision lighting he's been doing it forever you know he understands the rules he understands how to fly safely risk mitigation all that stuff just you know slap on the wrist let him know that he's not allowed to do that and then you're done you know just walk away from it right and and so and like you know it's it's gonna get to the point where not many people fly at night anyways because like i mean you get more get more views with better lighting mm-hmm. and i mean i've flown at night and like yeah you know the the drone pictures are pretty cool but it's not like nothing spectacular unless you live next to a city like yeah really well, no I mean, fly at night and 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 that at that point too it's like it's wake like i like the hyperlapse like the night the, the nighttime hyperlapses are way cooler at night yeah um especially because you get those long like light trails from the cars and shit and it's like you know that's pretty much the only i live in a small town there's really not a whole lot of stuff around here uh that is really that interesting to fly around at night so it's like i doesn't even bother me like but and like from his like you know he was just flying fpv and like so yeah and yeah. we, you know where we stand on the FPV thing. Those guys typically aren't flying in any manner that's going to put anybody in real any right. real danger. Right. And that's a, exactly it. It's like under a couple hundred feet. It's like highly doubt he's going to hit anything. Right. So. But um, let's, let, we're, uh, we're coming to the end of our time. We didn't really get into the specs of the Mavic 3. I want to do that real quick here. Well, well let's rumored, do that. Rumored specs of the Mavic 3 pretty exciting stuff i got excited what's that i'm excited hell yeah and just for those of you that haven't seen this i'm gonna go ahead and put up on the screen right now the renderings of the mavic 3 that were quote unquote leaked uh just a really neat sleek body style it looks like if the rendering is true to form uh the the body color is going to be a little bit darker that's exactly it yeah it's going to be a little bit darker. It looks like the legs, maybe that somebody got a little wonky. I don't think that the legs on that drone are necessarily going to be able to support the weight of the drone. So I would look for the the legs on this to be a little bit beefier. But overall, this gives you a good idea of what they're thinking. It looks very sleek, very aerodynamic. And that camera, which we're going to talk about here in a second, looks sexy. <laughs> it looks real, real sexy. But It's um, very real- interesting. It, it is. It's it, the double lens or the double sensor on it is very interesting. I'm going to run down through the the specs here that are rumored, uh, and then let's we'll break them down after I, I go down through the list. Uh, so for the Mavic 3 Pro, here are the rumored specs. The rumors. The rumors. So you've seen the and the rendering. There's a picture of the camera that is got two sensors on it. One sensor is for a seven times zoom camera. The other one is going to be anywhere from an inch to a micro four-thirds sensor for shooting in 5.7K resolution. So, wow. Yeah, already wow. Other rumored specs, new collision avoidance system. Side sensors will be removed. The front and rear sensors are going to be shifted to the corners and have a more wide-angle view, so that eliminates that need for the side sensors. The native uh, focal-length camera is going to be 24 millimeters with an f2.8 aperture. It's also going to have a 16 millimeter adapter lens included with it. Uh, you're also going to have an Apple ProRes format support, one terabyte of internal memory. We're going to break that down here in a yeah. little bit. Uh, more than 40 minutes in flight time with a single battery. Uh, the battery mount is going to be from the back. It's going to be in Mini 2 style, so there will actually be a compartment on the back, or maybe it'll just slide into the back. Either way, it's going to be back-loaded battery. 
the gimbal may have an autom or an integrated automatic lock. So that would remove the need for a gimbal cover like that we all struggle with putting on our drones. You no longer need something like that. It's just going to automatically lock into place. Uh, it will use the same remote controller as the Air 2S, that top-mounted viewfinder uh, where you put your, your smart device in the top rather than the bottom. And there will also be a new model of the smart controller released as well. So there's definitely a lot coming with the Mavic 3. Let's go down through and talk about each one of those specs, Jordan. So what do you think about the camera, the the, the double sensor? Well, uh, so... I'm definitely thinking that if Autel had seen some of these leaks or possibly heard about that, that's where they're getting their uh, 10 times 8K zoom. So mm -hmm. again, uh, I'm, I think it, it's a very good thing to have a, a dual camera like that, uh, especially for people that need to have like a dual purpose drone. So maybe they do inspections, you know, so they're not having to buy like a Mavic two or a mavic 3 zoom and then like a mavic 3 pro type of thing like how we had to do it before so this way they're able to just do both cameras simultaneously well maybe not at the same time but let's say they had to go shoot an inspection on a power line and they couldn't get that close to it so they're able to zoom in and then maybe a little bit later on in the afternoon or the daytime they're going out to shoot a property for somebody and so i mean you know at that point it's like well you're you're buying one drone for two purposes and so i think you're going to be able to get a lot more out of just one system entirely um what would be nice to possibly see that as an interchangeable lens with maybe you know you're able to buy like a FLIR camera and, and slap it on there um so i guess we'll maybe see if that comes to fruition maybe maybe not but see the uh, the other thing I wanted to, to move on, and the, the one thing that I definitely want to just say before I move on to the next spec is the, intercha the interchangeable cameras. I will be really interested to see. My theory is this. If they do not include interchangeability with the gimbal and camera setup for the Mavic 3, they're either going to include it with the Phantom 5 if there is one, or they're going to wait until the Mavic 4 to add that interchangeability. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if they do add a level of interchangeability to the three. And like you said, maybe not have uh, an upgraded resolution camera, but rather have the ability to attach a FLIR camera to the Mavic 3 in place of the, the video and photo camera that it's got on it. So right. it'd be very or, interested to see that. Because I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, uh, the Autel Evo 6K had the interchangeable lens system on it, too. Mm -hmm. So, I mean... I would think that the, the technology and the capability is there. I mean, what's really stopping them? Because uh, honestly, you could have, you know, the Mavic 3 Pro with the dual camera systems. And then if you wanted to do thermal inspections, you could go out and you can purchase that gimbal separately for 700 or 900 bucks, whatever, however much they want to sell it for. Uh, probably some stupid price. But, um, and th the thing of it is, is, you would have more people lean towards that system as a whole because um, everybody knows DJI. I mean, they know DJI creates a spectacular product. Uh, I think Autel might give them a run for their money, especially if they're going to produce something that's 8K and 10 times optical zoom. So I guess we'll see. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, 
And really, I, I think that the you're right, that in order to stay relevant, especially if Autel continues to push out drones that have these interchangeable camera attachments, DJI is going to have to answer that with its own interchangeable camera system. But yeah, uh, exactly. The, the next one, the obstacle avoidance. I you don't need to spend a whole lot of time on this. I think it's interesting that they're going with less sensors, but wider angle for more coverage. I'll be interested to see how that plays out. It seems like, I don't want to say they're going in the wrong direction, but you look at the Sky Dio, for instance. And DJI, I don't think by any stretch of the imagination, is thinking about competing with Sky Dio. I think that they're just, that's small fish for them. Right. But what I, I do think is interesting is Sky Dio has really just taken autonomous flight over. Like there's no better obstacle avoidance and autonomous flight system in the market than Sky Dio. And DJI is sort of saying, you know what? We're going to take the sensors we did have and we're going to reduce them down to half of what they were. So it's like now they're they're sort of moving away from obstacle avoidance, not altogether, but they've removed two sensors in favor of sensors that have a wider angle. I don't know what that means for accuracy, but it's certainly an interesting move. Uh, yeah, I'm not really 100% sure because, I mean, you know, obviously, like you stated, I mean, Skydio has autonomy down to a T. I haven't used one personally, but, I mean, as from the videos and stuff that I've watched, I mean, they have a pretty good market cap on just having a drone being able to follow you without really anything happening, um, especially with... I mean, it's basically a 360 degrees all the way around that drone. So it's like it doesn't really get into any situations that it's going to cause it to not be able to get out of. Mm -hmm. um, I took the Mavic 2 Pro out to Chazawiska Wildlife Management Area, and I flew that through some pretty low-hanging like oak trees and pine trees and stuff, and it did a pretty decent job. Um, I kind of would have liked to have seen what the Skydio was capable of if I if I had one. Um, but, I mean, for the fact that the Mavic did a pretty okay job, like, I just, I, I would have liked to have kind of put those side by side. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just, you know, if they're going to take, if they're going to take off obstacle avoidance lenses and cameras, uh, I guess we'll see what happens if they're just making them to that point to where it's just a wider field of view. Yeah, I uh, my my battery exhausted, so I'm just going to end the podcast with a picture of me. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I have seen comparison videos done of the Sky Dio versus the Mavic Two in terms of obstacle avoidance. The big leg up that the Sky Dio has versus the Mavic Two is the beacon. Uh, so the obstacle avoidance definitely works in terms of uh, it, it. It's got more megapixels available to it in terms of the total sensors for the Skydio. I think in comparison, the Mavic 2 has six megapixels of obstacle avoidance sensor cameras, and the Skydio is somewhere in like the high 20s. So, no. I mean, it's not even really close at all. Um, no, but really I've... that beacon that you can carry with you is what makes the Skydio so effective at that obstacle avoidance and, and doing that well, because it's not just using the environment around it to navigate. It's also, it, you know, it's following that beacon and then the cameras around it are doing the the small work of getting around obstacles. Yeah. And it's, it's really, cause like, it's really weird. I don't like, I don't really use like the follow me mode and stuff that often. And I can kind of see it to where people want to use that. Like, I mean, you know, people that do mountain biking or 
snowboarding or you know just like kind of like extreme sports like that and it's like if you're going to use that like you really want it to be able to kind of not hit something and so i'm really kind of wondering why dji would reduce the number of obstacle avoidances on there but it's like i personally myself like i don't really use it that often so i i don't really know it's yeah. just it's weird to me i guess i found that and this isn't true for in all cases but i found more often than not it's hobbyists, bloggers, recreational people are the ones that use those smart, the follow me modes and stuff like that. Uh, whereas like professional setting, I have never used those automatic shoot modes for two yeah. reasons. One, I trust myself more than I trust the automated features on the drone. But right. two, most of those smart shoot features reduce your video down to 1080p automatically. So oh, really? oh, yeah, it's, so it's like one of those deals where 1080p is not bad. I mean, I'm probably gonna, in most cases, uh, other than like for my own YouTube channel, I'm usually going to export a project out in 1080p anyway. But do it. you just have less flexibility when you're shooting in 1080p. It's just it's yeah. not as good. I see. Uh, I didn't know that. I don't know. I'll have to double check on my Mavic. But um, yeah, it's the last time that I used the the follow me mode and stuff on that was when I was I was out in the Chazawisco Wildlife Management Area, and I basically just. I set it down and I threw it up into the sky and I just, I tracked it around my truck and I just let it do its thing. Mm -hmm. um, there was a, a good couple of times where it just kind of like, even in a broad open field, just kind of like lost me. Um, so yeah, I'm not really hundred percent sure, but I mean, as far as professionally goes, most people aren't using a follow me mode. Uh, if I had to track a car, I would much rather do it while I'm on the sticks. Yeah, I agree. It's uh I can do at this point in my flying career, I can do a better job manually than the programming in the drone can more often than not anyway. So hundred percent. Um, so let's, let's jump into the, uh, the, the pro res, the internal memory and the flight time. Cause I think all three of those sort of work in terms of the, the workhorse this drone is going to be. So, Apple ProRes format is going to be supported. Previously, this was only available in the Inspire drone, I believe. I'm not familiar with the Phantom 4 version 2, but I, I think the Inspire is the only drone from DJI that formerly supported Apple ProRes. And that sort of rolls into the one terabyte internal memory. So from what I've been hearing about the Mavic 3 is you won't have an on, like you can't put a memory card into the drone and record to the memory card. Instead, it's going to have onboard storage that one terabyte that it's rumored to have to write the file directly to the internal storage and the reason for this is because most memory devices unless it's one of those solid state drives that you can get for the inspire those big like bubblegum looking sticks unless it's something like that it's not going to be able to handle 5.7k which is going to be the max shooting for rumored max shooting for the DJI Mavic 3 Pro. So rather than try to write 5.7K to a memory card or make room for a giant solid state drive, they're just gonna have internal memory that writes, it, it's being written to directly, uh, which it poses an interesting obstacle for creators on the go because now you have to turn your drone on and plug it into your device every time you wanna take footage and photos and move them onto your hard drive. Yeah, I don't like that. Um... And the main reason why I say that is because for the main reason that you just stated, like, so if you are like an on the go creator or if you're doing like a travel van type of thing, um, if you just want to like kind of edit and do stuff, you know, while you're 
you know, going to bed at night or whatever, and you just kind of want to like offload all of your photos and videos is like, well, then you have an extra step. You have to have the drone on, you have to have a plugged in. And it's like, I would much rather just take out like a small little SD card. Um, even, and like, I know this is going to sound crazy. Even if they had to put like a regular size SD card slot into it, which I know would kind of take up a lot more room. Um, you could get a V60 card or a V90 card, which I think would probably, it would probably most definitely write the information a lot more, a lot faster. Um, and it would definitely be able to write the 5.7K files. Um, the only problem with the V60 and the V90 cards, which are US UHS2 cards, so they're not the, the cheaper ones you get at like Walmart. They're more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just more expensive. Like I have a 64 gigabyte in my uh, Blackmagic Pocket Cinema 4K. Uh, it was $100 for 64 gigabytes. Wow. Yeah. yeah and that's... yeah, I just like, I mean, if you wanted to get 258 gigabytes or 256 gigabytes or 500, I mean, that's going to cost you like three or $400. Yeah. And most people now, and that sort of brings up an interesting point. Most people don't have the money to drop on like a memory card like that. Um, but it, that, that poses an interesting question. Is the Mavic three pro going to be for most people? I mean, in the past, the Mavic one, and then the Mavic 2 were sort of a crossover drone. The professional used it. I mean, you saw Mavic, you can still find Mavic 2 Pros on some Hollywood sets. I mean, it's it's just a nice portable solution, especially for like documentaries and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. It Absolutely. just makes sense to have the Mavic 2 Pro because it can handle what, what you need it to do. Um, even the Mavic 1, same thing. But now the, the Mavic 3, especially if these specs are even half true, sounds like we're starting to get into the realm of cinematic purposes you know like this isn't just for everybody anymore this is now sort of crossing over into what the inspire used to be in that there's a very select niche of people that need this drone so sort of an interesting prospect when you look at the spec sheet yeah it's it's it seems like i mean if if everything that has been leaked um is more than just speculation like it's going to be one of those drones where it's it's really just more for the professional and like I mean you know people are going to buy it just because they want to have it type of thing but uh, I would say probably higher price point um, especially because I mean if you remember when the Mavic Two Pro first came out it was like what sixteen ninety nine or fifteen ninety nine or something like that yeah. and so like I mean I think you mentioned it it'll probably be somewhere around the two thousand dollar range uh, I hope it's not but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, I would say that most definitely you're probably going to see more people buy this on like a professional type of level because I don't think people are going to want to mess with having to offload the drone footage by hooking up their Mavic 3 Pro to a computer every time, which honestly to me sounds like a big pain in the ass, but you know, it, it is does. what it is. Uh, if the which would be kind of interesting to see if maybe the the hard drive is detachable. I think that would be kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess we'll we'll see how that all works out. Because honestly, I mean, I would just like to be able to pop in a little micro SD card and just write my files to it and pop it out when I need it. Well, and the the idea of having like a a hard drive that you can easily take in and out of the the drone. 
that's an interesting point because they're switching up the way we mentioned that we're going to talk about the battery, which I'm just going to do right now. Uh, 40 minute flight time out of the battery and it's backloaded now. So it's going to be similar to like what the Mavic, or I'm sorry, yeah, the Mini 2 does, the Mini 1 does, the Autel Evo and the, the Phantom where you're actually going to slide it into the back. So if it has a, a compartment door like the Mini Drone does, if you can open that up and maybe have a slot above the battery where the hard drive is or, you know, somewhere around that area, it, you could very easily integrate a, a removable hard drive there. But um, yeah, I, I agree though, the, what they're proposing or what these rumors are indicating with this having to have the drone on and plugged in to offload the information off of it onto your computer just sounds like a giant pain in the ass. Um, even for me who does it professionally, I just don't think it's, it's, it's going to be convenient by any stretch of the imagination. You're right, Chris. And actually, so I'm on, uh, I'm just looking at these. So apparently now, now don't quote <laughs> me on this, but apparently there's going to be, uh, two versions of the Mavic three. Ooh. Uh, so I'm just, I'm just going through this here. So if you saw me looking down, it wasn't that I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> no, no, I got you. I got you. Uh, so variable apertures f2.8 to f11 but apparently there will be two versions one the more expensive will be equipped with the one terabyte internal ssd and prores video recording capabilities the lower end will be without the one terabyte mm -hmm. so probably the cheaper of the two will just be the one without the terabyte um you'll probably still just be able to throw a, a micro sd card into that also uh no, this is just speculation, but battery life, 45 minutes. Ooh. I don't know. I like that this, a lot more than 40. Yeah, I don't know if this was the same one. This was the one with the actual like picture from China. China. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. In fact, I teased that on one of my previous uh, leaks. Yeah, this was the, this was the rumors from China. Uh, and then the drone will come in with a new remote with a built-in screen. Yes, I've heard that as well. I wonder if that's the smart controller that they're talking about. Um, I, I I have mixed feelings on the built-in screens. Now, I definitely like the idea of having it all in one. You don't have to burn the battery on your phone or your tablet or whatever you use. But at the same time, the, it, my dad always told me growing up when I was looking at like cars and stuff like that, that yeah, all the nice new features and stuff like that, they're real nice. And they make driving even more convenient and fun, but it's just one more thing to go wrong. And yeah. uh, that's sort of how I feel about the built-in screens on these controllers. If for some reason I'm clumsy, I drop the controller and the screen breaks. I've got to send the whole controller in just to get it fixed. Or if the controller malfunctions completely outside of how I treat it, uh, the screen anyway, I've got to send it in and get it fixed just because the screen's not working the way I want it to. So I don't mind the built-in screen. I just wish they had on those smart controllers the ability to plug in an external device and use it the same way, if that makes sense. Uh, well, I think, I think you probably can. Cause I mean, even with the smart controllers, aren't you still able to attach a, uh, like an iPad or something to it? I don't think so. Now I don't know about uh, the Mavic two smart controller, but I know for a fact, the Phantom four smart controller, that is, you are not able to add a different device to it. Okay. Yeah. Cause like, I know, I know some of the older, like, I mean, if I took the Met, the two pro and if I wanted to put like an iPad or something, obviously I could do that. Um, I didn't know with the smart controller, if you're also able to add another screen onto it, like maybe if somebody wanted to monitor it type of thing. Oh, that's a good point. I wonder if they have like an HDMI port that you could do it through. 
Yeah, uh, I've never owned one because I just didn't, I don't think I want to spend that much money for just a controller with a screen on it. But, you right. know, I get it. Um, obviously, the screens are a lot brighter than a cell phone. So, uh, but yeah, I just I, I want to say I think I remember you're able to add like an extra monitor or like an iPad or something if you want like a bigger screen to those. So it could be a very good possibility. Um, no telling if the if it's just the more expensive one that will come with the uh, the built-in screen controller, kind of like the the Pro controller or something. Yeah, I we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I guess that's all we can sit here and say is we'll see. I know that the the most recent leak definitely indicates speculations. That, yes, it's all it's all speculation. That's all we're doing, my friend. <laughs> I get I get so tired. I don't want to say tired. I appreciate people watching, even if they have a. a an opinion about me that I don't necessarily agree with. But the one thing that I can't like, man, every time it just gets me is when people get on my YouTube and they talk about how much of a windbag I am and that I'm just blowing smoke. And it's like, I never claimed to be an expert. I'm just sitting, I'm just talking. Whether well, you want yeah. to and listen is up to you. And so, and that's the thing too, is like, I mean, you know, with, with drone DJ and drone XL and like a lot of other people, like they always like, they'll do these like rumors videos and stuff. And it's like, well, we finally have some information. So we're just kind of discussing what we think is going to happen. And so it's more of like, uh, we just, you know, we're just putting our two cents in and hoping that maybe the specs are correct or maybe, maybe they come out with a little bit something that we're hoping for. Cause you know, we've been flying drones for a little while now. Um, and it's I like, like, I like, like to think that we are, we're not play by play. We're color commentary. <laughs> no, and it's like the news is unofficial, unofficial, official news for resources only. Uh, so it's like, but, you know, he says a good place to keep a look for confirmations is the FCC filings, of course, and Best Buy. Yep. That's <laughs> that's a really good way to put it. I mean, it's you're either going to go as legit as the FCC filings or, you know, Best Buy has a really bad track record of keeping things secret. <laughs> yeah. Well, because it wasn't that when the Mavic Mini or the, the DJI Mini 2 came out, that they were the first ones that released it. Oh, my God. I'll never forget the day that I saw the video of the guy that was able to get the Mini 2 like three days before it was supposed to drop. And he made a whole video on it. And I just sat there and thought to myself, son of a bitch. Like that would have been that would have been the opportunity to really grow my YouTube channel is right there. And then it was Adorama that did it for the Mavic Air 2. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, so you just you just got to keep your eyes on those. You really do. You just have to make sure. You, just visit your local Best Buy because sooner or later they're gonna fuck up. Yeah, or just <laughs> just always like just you know sign up for their newsletter so this way you get the emails when something drops, or just check it every once in a while. It's it's not quite the same because it was a little bit more of like a technically okay thing. But I went into a Best Buy before we went to Utah to get my iPad. It's Gen the Gen Eight iPad is what I have, uh, which was just released last year. Nice. And I went in and I Which said, Which is now obsolete. <laughs> yeah. Well, I went in and I, <laughs> Thanks, I Apple. And I was like, hey, I'm looking for an iPad. I just want something the, the most the most recent version you have. That's what I want. And uh, he was like, well, I have the Gen 8. And I was like, okay, and then is that the most recent? And he said, technically. And I was like, what do you mean technically? And he said, well, it's not technically available yet. And I was like, okay, so you have the Gen 8, but you can't give it to me. So that means the Gen 7. He said, no, I can give you the Gen 8. And he was like, 
you just won't like there won't be any support on it until like whatever date it was oh, and i was yeah. like so i can still use it though and he said oh yeah he said you'll be able to use it and everything he said you just won't get any official support on it if there's a problem until the release date and i was like all right let's do it fuck it <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but i got that like six days before it actually dropped and it, i like I didn't know Honestly, what, I, man. what I just accomplished. I, otherwise, I would have done a freaking video on it. But yeah, you should have. <laughs> I should have. But uh, well, anyway, let's see. I'm trying to see. I think we've covered everything with the Mavic Three. So at this point, man, like I gotta say, I think it's time to wrap it up. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's up to you. We, I'll, I'll sit I here and try your ear off. Listen, I I enjoy our time together. <laughs> I, I do. But yeah, exactly. I'm also looking at the clock, and we've been at it for two three three hours almost really yeah we've been at it for yeah. three hours i mean the podcast hasn't stretched that long we've been officially recording for maybe like two and a half but we were on for you know we've been on for three hours almost yeah that's crazy it's, i didn't even oh uh, well yeah i guess, I guess we were we were chit-chatting a little bit before we started recording too we were but you know what it's like it, it just tells me like we're solid man because it's yeah. like time just flies when we're talking yeah and so i think when you have when you have something that you enjoy talking about, you just kind of just wing it and just go for it. You do. You do. And I think that's what makes you such a good guest on this podcast is like, you just I try you, you, you're a conversationalist and you just flow with the conversation, man. And I think everybody out there loves you for it. I try. I try to, <laughs> uh, I think the, I think the first time when we did the podcast that I maybe didn't, uh, engage as much as I am right now, but you know, it happens. I'm getting we better were, on camera. We were still pretty new friends, though. I mean, we'd only been really chit-chatting on Instagram for a few months, but the last time that we were on. So now we've probably yeah. got a good, solid, maybe year, a little over a year together, and I think that we're a little more comfortable, you know? Yeah, man. You know, that's what happens when you when you get friends that you don't know on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing everything our parents told us not to do. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, luckily, it's not the 90s anymore. That's true. That is true. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, Chris, thank I'm you Chris. for having me on, brother. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna close it out, man. This is this is it. I'm putting a bookend on. Listen, if you're listening to this podcast on Spotify or if you're watching it on YouTube, check Jordan out. Jordan Handworker Visuals on YouTube. You can also find him under Jordan Handworker Visuals on Instagram as well. He does fantastic work, and he's got a beautiful face. Look at that thing up close oh, yeah. and personal in HD. Don't, don't look at this. It's <laughs> hairy. <laughs> Make sure you check him out. YouTube, Instagram, for sure. He does awesome stuff. And he'll be back on the podcast. So keep an eye out for the next time Jordan's on the podcast. Until next time, I'm Chris. That's Jordan. And we are out of here. Peace.